Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're welcoming you to another episode of the AMP, the last one of 2022, in fact. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And and really, depending on when we actually release this, it may not even be the last one of 2022, right? Because That, that is true. We just had this discussion about how we yeah. this we weren't going to release this on our traditional two-week schedule, and I've, I've done forgot. <laughs> <laughs> we decided that with there being one episode left in kind of the first half of the season, that it didn't make sense for us to just do two this episode. So we're going to talk about the two we sat down to actually record tonight. And then next week, we're going to pick up with that last episode. And so if we say some weird speculation stuff, and then later on we address it, it's because to us, there's been a full week between recordings. Uh, but just rest assured, we're doing this so that way you've got an awesome first, like, huge long episode in the new year, uh, kind of wrapping up the end of the season, and then, then we'll be ready for the beginning of the next season. Yes. So we're, we're trying to, in classic AMP fashion, we don't pay attention to episode counts. I did... I did share that uh, I had seen a tweet that said that this first core was ending in two episodes, but then I was like, okay, does that include 125 or no? And then when we looked it up, it does. And and so it's just like, well, there's just this dangling episode at the end of this. Uh, so instead of recording a short episode, we're just going to cram it all together and give you a, a, a happy New Year's gift from the AMP. And in addition to that, we're going to take some time over the holidays to re-record uh, some version of coverage of episodes one and two, because a lot of people are finding that episode, which is great. Um, but it is not actually representative of the quality that we can now uh, uh, provide uh, through commentary and comfort and tech uh, all across the board. So we're thinking that we're going to uh, give that one a, a little bit of a touch up. And and uh, hopefully when people find that, they go, oh, this is what I can look forward to instead of, oh, this is what it's all like, and then leave. Yeah, I mean, how many uh, reviews have we gotten where someone has talked about us mispronouncing something that we did one time in the very first episode and then never again? <laughs> yeah, at least one, so, maybe two. Yeah, and like, well, it's an awesome and inside, like, fun joke for everybody now. There is that part of me that's always like, man, what if they missed out on an awesome podcast because that first episode wasn't really one we, you know, sat down to actually plan to release. Like, we just sliced and diced it, made it work, and and then here we are 120 episodes later, right? Yeah, and we'll go over the production, the, the interesting production of that first episode when we re-record. So your your timeline or your, your little podcatcher will be blessed um, by a couple of uh, A&P episodes. Um, but it does mean that you may have to, uh, you know, hold hold it down uh, throughout the rest of the year and, and wait for us on the other side of, uh, of 2022. But um, we're thinking of you. We're, we're doing this for you, uh, even though it is uh, requiring a little bit more work on our end. But we, we think most of you are worth it. Not that uh, not that Ness guy, but everybody else is fine. <laughs> oh, you got to leave Ness alone. He's great. He's yeah. great. He's all right. He knows I can pick on him. And, and he knows that it, that's exactly what it is. It's just me, me goofing. <laughs> well, man, we had some big news get announced about My Hero of the past uh, week or two. Like, there's a new live action movie that's going to be produced. It's, uh, I think they had to have been listening to our podcast and heard these live action castings from over the years and thought, wow, that's a great idea. What I, do you think? You think we're going to get creditor, uh, uh, like, you know, names on there at the end or anything? Are we going to be in the credits? Unlikely. Um, <laughs> But <laughs> dang, <laughs> yeah, it is nice to think that uh, we, 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 I mean, the, the fact of the matter is how, uh, how, how bold and arrogant must we be to think that uh, anybody pays attention to us. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, the fan posters are already flying around that have been existing for years. Um, and some of them actually do feature some of the castings that we have. I doubt that we were the inspiration behind those, but we did think that with the announcement of that movie, uh, whether it excites you or it just drags you down into the depths of despair 
you're in depression because you don't want somebody to ruin this thing that you love. And we totally understand that. Um, we did have a, a very long uh, era epic in our uh, in our podcast where we were intentionally live casting uh, the the class one A folks and, and uh, various other characters that we encountered. And so uh, they're kind of scattered all over the place, starting at episode 38 of the AMP and stretching on into the future from there. Uh, and there was a time where we were going to kind of curate these things and put them on a website somewhere, but we didn't ever do that because that's not, it just, this, there's th- a lot of weird licensing things that come up with yeah. stuff like that. And, and we don't have a website like that anymore. So, <laughs> no. so we just thought that, uh, for, for curation's sake that we would, uh, quickly run through just in case you didn't binge watch all of the other 120 episodes of the AMP and that you might've missed these live castings. Uh, we'll, we'll drop them on you here. So we started a course, uh, at the top with all might, uh, and this is one of the few times that Adam and I actually had the same name in mind. Um, and that was Dwayne Johnson, uh, a.k.a. The Rock. Yeah, totally. The only thing I fear about that now is just how many movies he's been in that were hyped and then kind of like failed almost immediately. That scares me. Like, I wouldn't want that to be a curse for for this MHA movie, you know? I still think that he's he's big enough and has a big enough personality that he's still in my brain, a, a pretty good fit for that. But I, I do understand, especially on this yeah. side of Black Adam and some shenanigans concerning it, apparently. I, I haven't seen it, but... Yeah, uh, I almost wonder if maybe John Cena would be a good one. Like, after Peacemaker, like, that guy's mm. super talented. He's got the big size, the big energy. He could be a good All Might. That's interesting. And he's not cursed. He's not as cursed, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we both had runners-up as well. Uh, you said Ron Perlman would have been your uh, yeah. runners-up, uh, and mine was Chris Evans. Would have like been interesting. Too. He'd have had to put on some weight or, or a bit of a bulk suit, but um, it's not like he's a small man by any means. No, gosh, no. Uh, but then we followed up with Aizawa, who I believe you casted as Keanu Reeves, and yes. I had Pedro Pascal. Uh, I think both of those would be really great. I still think Keanu Reeves is Aizawa. Like that's <laughs> it. Just is. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he that. that is the the really perfect casting for that. Pedro Pascal is a good cast, but. It's like eh, just a, just a little bit above. I would see Keanu Reeves serving in that role a little bit better. Uh, next, fair. we cast Mirio, um, who spoiler alerts uh, we we do see return triumphantly uh, in the yeah. episodes that we're covering in this episode of the AMP. I cast Nicholas Holt. Um, this was the gentleman who played Beast in some of the newer X Men stuff uh, and was also in um, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Um, very very good actor. And then Adam put Chris Evans here as Mirio instead of as All Might. Yeah, and then we went into Jiro, who you cast as Zendaya, and uh, I had Aubrey Plaza or Florence Favre, who, now that I'm reading that name, I'm like, who is that? (laughs) (laughs) You don't even know who you cast. I know. Uh, In episode 40, we cast Bakugo. I went with Will Poulter, who is uh, getting his own, well, not his own, but he's going to be featured in a comic book movie coming up soon. Um, the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I believe that he's involved oh, in yeah. that. Oh, he's, yeah. Uh, he's uh, Adam Strange, right? No. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, he's He'll be in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, whoever he's playing. Uh, and Adam cast Dante Basco, who I'm not familiar with. Remind me who that is? Uh you're hitting me with things that I am not ready for. Who the heck is Dante Basco? You know, what's funny is like back in the day, I feel like when we were doing these, uh, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I was looking up a lot of, a lot of various actors. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dante Basco. So he was, um, 
uh, Rufio and Hook, and he is also the um, Firebender in Avatar: The Last Airbender. What's his name? Zuko. Ah, I got gotcha. And Will yeah. Poulter is playing Adam Warlock. Adam I Warlock. To, I was I close. I knew it was Adam something yeah. or other. Adam but. Strange is uh, DC. He, he's uh, Green Lantern's <laughs> old pal. My bad. Uh, next, we cast Fat Gum, and I have Haley Joel Osment. So I had, I guess, Chris Pratt for same guy for big and skinny. Oh, I see. I see what I did here. If it's going to be the same guy for both Fat Gum and Skinny Gum, uh, or what? What were we calling him? Not Skinny Gum, Moderate Gum. Uh, that it would be Chris Pratt for both. But if I could get them to be two different people, Fat Gum would be played by Nick Frost, and then Simon Pegg would pay uh, would uh, play the depowered or uh, post gigantic uh, fat energy punch Fat Gum. I like that. That's a fun combination. Those two do. They're just so much fun to watch. They play off each other so well. Yeah. We cased. Uh, we we cased. We casted. We cast. Whatever. English is hard. (laughs) Next up was Ochako. Uh, And I stand by this because I think that she's amazing. But Chloe uh, Chloe Grace Moretz for Ochako. And Uh, I had Chelsea Zhang or Hayden Panettiere. Panettiere. Is she still doing things? I don't know. I know Chloe Grace is. Yeah, I don't think I don't think so. Uh, but then we went ahead and cast President Mike, who I had as Simon Pegg, uh, Macklemore or Eminem, and I believe you had them as or had him as Jimmy Fallon or Chris Tucker. Yeah, Chris Tucker playing around with the race, but uh, bringing him back from uh, the Fifth Element as a yeah totally. uh, big personality. Next up for some, I don't know why we did this. Why did we cast Inko Midoriya? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no idea. What we, we were what looking was for she ideas? doing in episode forty three? It must have been an Inko centric. Uh, couple of episodes but i cast uh mary louise parker and adam had marissa tomei and we also cast ida this was a double casting i put ludy lynn who was uh the Liu kang in what in the newer uh live action mortal kombat movie and you chose ezra miller you're gonna stand by that one? Oh god that did not age well did it <laughs> no, it didn't spend <laughs> some time <laughs> <laughs> uh, i gotta say i guess for ida i'm gonna recast my son today he told me uh when he ate his vegetables that they gave him magic powers they were engine powers and it helped him put out fires so nice um we cast midoriya way late in the game apparently um i went with tom holland who has been featured on many of the fan uh casting posters and you went with jack quaid yeah dude jack quaid is awesome and i think I think it like either of these work depending on the vision they go with. Like if they want to go more Marvel MCU, Tom Holland all day long. If they want to go more like the boys and like have mm. Deku's arms getting ripped off or like severely damaged like they do in the anime, Jack Quaid, man. That makes like, sense. I, I love the way that he's portrayed that character. Whereas you wanted Inko Midori to be hot, um, I demanded <laughs> Midnight to be. So uh, where you cast Mar- Marissa Tomei, as Inko, I put her as uh, Midnight. You chose Rachel Weiss, which is also a very attractive woman. Yeah, I was going to say, are you saying Rachel Weiss isn't hot? <laughs> no. I'm just saying that I don't think I wanted like the like <laughs> the super hot woman as Inko Midoriya, but you apparently did. <laughs> hey, you know. <laughs> uh, next, we went for Kaminari. I went with uh, Gotten Matarazzo of Stranger Things fame. You went with uh, Hunter Parrish and... The- Hannah My cast wife, Owen Wilson? I guess was she, she like in the room? <laughs> I don't know. I guess she cast Owen Wilson. Yeah. There, there she goes. <laughs> uh, for Hawks, Adam went with Luke Wilson. I went with Liam Hemsworth, uh, one of the famed Hemsworth brothers. Uh, we also cast Endeavor, and I went with Chris Hemsworth. 
uh, to have these these two on screen together would be fun. You put Ron Perlman there as well, dragging him out of uh, second place for All Might. Yeah, I really like Ron Perlman as Endeavor. And honestly, like now that we have a little bit of reveal of who Hawks is in this episode, Liam Hemsworth as him and then Chris Hemsworth as Endeavor is kind of a neat, neat way to do that. That would be neat for like Dobby. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I know that they're brothers in real life, but I'm just thinking like that that brotherly connection being oh, there gotcha, is kind gotcha. of interesting, you know. Um, in episode 48, we cast Mei Hatsume because we couldn't not. I cast somebody who I don't know who this person is. I'm going to have to look it up. But Natalie Allen Lind. What in the world is she from? Don't know. Uh, go ahead and share with the folks the, who you the picked. Gifted? <laughs> is that what she's from? Yeah, The Gifted, Big Sky, The Goldbergs, Gotham, Daybreak. I have no idea what I know her from. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, I went ahead and cast Emma Stone as uh, Mei Hatsume. That was a good casting, too. For Mineta, (laughs) Adam put Finn Wolfhard. I abstained because I didn't want to wish that cursed role upon anybody, if I recall correctly. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. (laughs) For Aoyama, I believe you cast uh, Joe Keery. Joe Keery. I had Eddie Redmayne. And what's he from again? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun game. It's, it's going to be really interesting how you edit this. Okay, so Eddie, Eddie Redmayne is from uh, the Harry Potter movies. Uh, he was, uh, what's his name? The uh, Oh, gosh. Whoever those new movies are based on. Oh, uh, Dumbledore? Newt, Newt Scamander. Newt Scamander. The first one. Yeah, because they don't know how to name these new series because they're not cohesive at all. I gotcha. Uh, but Newt Scamander is the, the main character from the, I guess, the first one in the new batch of Harry Potter movies. Uh, I think, yeah, he, he would be a fun Aoyama. This must have been around summer camp time because we're talking about Vlad King next. Um, yeah, I cast been. Tate Fletcher, who is like, I think I made the joke that he's often credited as like bearded ruffian or something like that. Like he's just the big muscly... Uh, like minion in a lot of movies, and he would totally rock the Vlad King role. You went with Kevin Durand. Yeah, he's in a couple of like Netflix shows. Um, he's been in a lot of stuff, honestly. Um, he was in, I think it was Lost that he was in. He, you probably would know him from the uh, X Men Origin Wolverine movie. He was the Blob. Ah, okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about, man. Yeah, that dude's awesome. He's got, he's just a really good actor. I like him a lot. For Dobby, I cast Dylan O'Brien. Um, I think I specifically cast him after having watched American Assassin. He kind of fit that that physique and okay. um, acting range well. And you ki- uh, you picked Elijah Wood. Who I still stand by. Like, Elijah Wood from uh, Sin City. That's just that kind of crazy, demented character. I think I could see him stepping up to a Dobby role. And... We have Shigaraki next. I cast Alex Wolf um, after having seen him in Hereditary uh, and a couple other things, but he's he has an extremely expressive range, and I think that you need that in a Shigaraki. And I cast Colin Ford or Timothy Chalamet. Uh, I think if I had to go back, I would choose Colin Ford. I've seen some of Timothy Chalamet's movies, and they're not bad, but they're not great. I think I think Colin Ford's a much better actor in my opinion. He's much like less well known. So I would love to see him in a big big like breakout role like this. Gotcha. And then last but not least, we cast all for one. Uh Adam went with Arnold Schwarzenegger or Jason Statham. I went with Ralph Fiennes, Tom Hardy, or Javier Bardem. And I'd like to add another name to this list, if I may, a uh, a late submission. Uh, for uh, a possible alternative casting for All for One, and that is Stephen Lang. I think that he might be able to pull that off as well. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I could actually see that. Uh, I would also like to add a new character if that I is okay. I won't allow Ah, oh, dang. Okay. What about Vincent D'Onofrio? Uh, he was a Kingpin hmm. in the most recent Daredevil stuff. He yeah. would be super menacing in that role, man. That's true. That would be interesting. Well, call us Hollywood or Netflix. I think that uh, they're the ones <laughs> that are producing this. Um, I, we will absolutely and shamelessly take credit if any of these castings come true. But um, given the fact that it is a Netflix property, I highly doubt most of these are... Um, <laughs> within the realm of possibility from just from a monetary standpoint. But who knows? Maybe we'll be uh, pleasantly surprised with the casting and the execution of the movie. I know a lot of people are nervous because it takes a thing that they love and possibly fiddles with it too much. Yeah, um, Netflix doesn't have the best track record for converting anime to live action, do they? Yeah, they've done it at least at least with Death Note. Um, what else have they done? I can't I think, think of did. anything up there. There was another one that I thought I saw that wasn't super successful but i could be wrong i think maybe death note is like kind of that shining turd that they they, they dropped on everybody well and what's nuts is like they cast a re- like the voice the for perfect the shimigami uh is good like yeah. that's a great casting that um, was the best casting it was yeah. kind of everything else i think that people didn't like yeah defoe kills in that like in that role but yeah everything else kind of seemed to fall fall apart around it all right, Adam, we've got uh, three episodes ahead of us. Um, so let's let's jump into episode oh. one. Huh? I was going to say, they did Cowboy Bebop. That was the other one. They've done oh, Cowboy yeah. Bebop. They've done Full Metal Alchemist. Um, I, this one's saying Alice in Borderland. I'm not familiar with that one, but it sounds like they've, they've gotten a handful. Uh, and I didn't know this, but apparently they're working on, like, potentially this is saying a Naruto and uh, a One Piece, which I think is kind of wild, but... Regardless, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like their track record here is not super great, so we'll see. Yeah, I forgot about the One Piece news, too. That that does ring a bell. And Cowboy Bebop was fun. I enjoyed it. I hate it that it didn't get renewed for a second season. But regardless, like you said, we have a lot of My Hero we do. to cover We, got, we got a lot of ground. <laughs> we promised ourselves we wouldn't do this, but here we are, 18 <laughs> minutes in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 20 minutes in, and we haven't done, we haven't even touched the first episode. All right, so episode 124 uh, and 125 is what we're going to cover in this little blurb. We'll amend 126 to the end. So, um these two episodes cover chapters 289 through 294, specifically page eight. If you scroll past that, you're on your own. You're, you're wandering into spoiler territories, but not really because by the time you're listening to this, the episode that will resume from that page on will have come and gone. But it was spoiler territory for us. That's very fair. Uh, episode 124 is named Dobby's Dance, and we intro with the plane zooming in on the scene, and Best Genist is alive, and he is ready to start kicking some butt. I'm guessing this is the scene that you had mentioned uh, last time we recorded. You said that there was like a panel of somebody in a plane, but it was kind of like anonymous, and yep. and in this, it's not at all. Like They pretty much just zoom in on his belt buckle that says BJ, which had me cracking up as well. The, like a little the anime does not handle his return well. Or Mirios. Or really Mirios. The manga yeah. has better pacing for it. Um, so that's unfortunate. This is one of the things that the manga, I think, especially with Best Genist, did this yeah. better, set it up better. You know, two uh, things, too, to this. Uh, you mentioned Mirios return. Someone in the Discord pointed out something we totally missed. In last week's episodes we covered, when they go back to Eerie and All Might, her horn is shrunk. We should have caught that. Like, that indicates that she used her power. That was a uh, dead on. We could have caught that, and I'm surprised we didn't. Normally, I feel like that's something we would have caught. 
Yeah, there was a thing. There were I can't. We went back and forth on some other things that I was like, we. This was obvious. Um, yeah. The horn thing I missed. I can't remember what else I spilled. Uh, I I pointed out. It's like, well, yeah, um, of course, yeah. but. The other uh, thing I wanted to mention to here, and I'm curious if this was in the manga, the pilot mentioned something to Best Genus about his body just recovering. And I thought that was a weird comment. Like, do you think the body that Dobby had and that Hawk showed over was actually Best Genus? And maybe he can control his body like like he does his cloth and he made like a puppet of himself or something like to totally fake it? I don't know. Was that I don't, comment we in the manga? We never know. Um, there's never any... Uh, it's not spelled out for us what Dobby did with that body. Um, yeah. I don't know if like Hawks flashed it and then walked off. That doesn't seem like that would have been satisfactory on uh, on Dobby's end. Yeah, I don't know. It just felt like a weird comment to make. Like, where has Best Genus been that he would need to be recovering from? Is it just training? Like, I don't know. Well, he got jacked up at... Uh, he, he got beat up pretty good at Camino. But that's been a while, right? I think that he was still recovering from that when hawks went and visited him okay is that right i guess so i I just felt like that was a weird like i guess they just needed to fill some space there with with you know dialogue but it felt like weird dialogue uh regardless we we get the intro from there and then we pretty much just go right into where we left off with deku falling out of the sky and he's just begging shigaraki to not move anymore just like please dude don't don't move like just stop uh, Todoroki comes out of nowhere, Shoto Todoroki to specify, and saves him and Bakugo and Endeavor. Uh, they're all still alive, but they're like 99% tapped out. Like, Deku is just totally messed up. Bakugo is unconscious, I'm pretty sure. And Endeavor is like, I mean, I think he even mentions that he's got a pierced lung here in a mm-hmm. bit. Like, he is really, really in bad shape. And All for One takes over Shigaraki's body again. And there's this, like, really quick moment where Shigaraki kind of has to push him back off. And tells him, like, look, I'm not going to do what you say. Like, this is my will. This is my body. Get out of here. Uh, but Hato is on scene, and she is just blasting him. I mean, like, 100% full power blast. Ida runs up. He's now on site. And we get this scene that's it's really sad, honestly. Like, Deku's sitting there just totally broken and just thinking to himself that he needs to fight. He needs to be with Shigaraki and fighting him. And there's just nothing he can do. He literally cannot move his body. Yeah, he's, they're all in rough shape. Todoroki is a, in the best shape of that little group for obvious reasons. He's kind of just showed up um, as far as the anime is concerned. And uh, yeah, Tomura's never actually hit the ground because the, uh, the, the rivet stab tendrils have kept him floating. But then Najiri just comes and blasts him out from under him, sending him to the ground, which I just have in my notes. You know, the place that they've actively been trying to keep him from for the last <laughs> couple of episodes. Um, and uh, Ida says something funny here too. At least I thought it was funny. He says... Uh, he tells he says that Gigantomachia is heading that way and that they've already informed the heroes fighting the Nomu. And I was like, you remember them? You remember how they were set up as like this giant deal. episode ending thing? And we've seen them for like two seconds since then. So, yeah. Good. Yeah. And it's weird, too, because they show back up, I think, at the beginning of the next episode or the middle of the next episode. And it's like they were right there the whole time, just mm-hmm. not animated in the background at all. It's we like this little bubble pocket area is kind of strange the way that it's been represented to us. It feels like you mean the location of the main fight? Yeah, because it's I mean, based off of that scene we get in the next episode, it makes it seem as if there are all these other random heroes fighting random nomus all around them. And like mm-hmm. they're like they're in a small little 10 foot radius or something and everyone else is still fighting like there's just war zone. But then all of the episodes we've been watching make it seem like they're totally you know, like on an island, like for for miles around them, like there's nobody. 
Um, so I don't know. I just feel like the 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 fight scene itself has been represented in kind of a weird way. Yeah, I don't. Could I don't you, know if that makes sense, but but I could feel you like imagine it if it was anime? You know, like in the old Street Fighter video games, where like the backgrounds had like people yeah. doing d- various things. Like if they had to do that in the background of this fight, having those Nomu steeped in a battle against all these random heroes going on in the background. Like I, even if it was a distance thing, and all you occasionally saw was like a flash of flight or a big dust cloud and then like bodies flying through the air. That would be wild. I think that honestly would have improved these scenes a lot. It would have been a little thing, but it would have made the, the like level of, uh, criticality i'm gonna say way higher i mean, it reminds me, like, man, we haven't had an atom word in a long time. Here we criticality are. is a real word. That's a real word. Uh, the, the <laughs> thing I'm thinking of too, though, is like the third Lord of the Rings movie. If you, if you've seen that in a little bit or if in any time recently, there's that end fight right at the gates of Mount doom where all of the orcs and goblins are like surrounding the main group. That's yeah. how I'm imagining this, but that's not how it's being displayed. Well, we don't stay at this scene for very long. We got to catch back up with Ochako and Toga. Um, we're reminded that Ochako wants to save as many people as possible at that moment, uh, which colors this whole scene. Uh, she gunhead martial art yeets uh, Toga through a door. Yeah. Although I'm disappointed she doesn't. I think I don't remember if I mentioned this last episode. I'm 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 a little disappointed that she didn't yell gunhead martial arts when she did that. Yeah, you did. Uh, but that. I remember. And I thought she had gotten her quirk off, but she doesn't here. So. She does a little. Um, so in the, manga, in the manga, when Toga stands back up after being thrown, uh, the sleeve of her sweatshirt is shown to have been floating a little bit because Ochako didn't make contact with her skin, only with her, uh, her oh. outermost layer of clothes. And that is depicted in the manga. How interesting. Okay. Um, so Toga's like, when I think about someone I love, it makes me want to become that person. And I want all of their blood so much. It makes my chest hurt, but not everyone is like that. It makes, uh, it very hard to live. And then Ochako just starts chucking some canisters at her. Uh, and then a quick dagger thrust sends her through a door, Ochako through a door. Uh, and Toga's continuing on her little diatribe. She says the other day, there was a meanie who said, you poor thing, uh, about what was normal to me and then tried to kill me. She's talking about Curious, I think was her name. Uh, and she said, so that's why I used her blood and quirk and dropped her from a high place. Cause that's when her quirk evolved and she dropped, uh, that I think she was like blue or something. I can't remember what her power was, but she got dropped from a very high place and Toka was, took immense joy in it. It was a bunch of people too. It wasn't just her. Cause I think there yeah, were like several attacking right. her. So, but I feel, I feel horrible for Ochako here. Like that's gotta be sickening to hear. You know, Ochako is pretty consistently telling Toga in the scene that like she wants to save people. That's all she's ever wanted. And here this villain is telling her like, yeah, I used your blood and your power to specifically kill a bunch of people. And that's just kind of, I don't know. I would feel so dirty hearing someone had used my quirk to kill people. That feels horrible. And, and obviously Ochako says she's not happy about that. And like, she, she's like, well, I don't even know what you're saying. Like, what have you been trying to say here? What are you even here for? And Toga finds this All Might doll that Deku had gotten Ochako, and Ochako freaks, freaks out. She she runs after Toga, and Toga's kind of going into this whole thing again, saying, like, you know, Jin was like a brother to me. And then she says, you know, Ochako, you know, we're a lot alike because we both like Deku, or we both like Izuku. And so we're, we're pretty much the same. She's doing that whole little kid thing where it's like, oh, we both have a hat. We're twinsies. 
Right. And, <laughs> and Ochako's straight up like, what is going on? Like, uh, she's just thinking, I have got to get out of here. I do not have time for this. And so she pulls off a super move. I think she calls it Zero Satellites. And she's been basically tagging all of the furniture around her and throws all of that at uh, Toga. But Toga just dances around them. Uh, it's kind of a, a neat little scene that they've done here. And basically, o- Otako tells Toga, like, look, you've got to be responsible for all of these actions you've done. And Toga just sort of agrees and throws knives at Ochako. And Froppy intervenes like the last second. And it kind of becomes this two verse one situation. But as the fight is about to shake out, the whole building starts shaking. And Gigantomachia has basically arrived and starts knocking over everything. So. Toga disappears, and Froppy's at first like, "Oh, we gotta, we gotta find her." But Toga, uh, sorry, but Ochako is basically like, "Yeah, no, she's she's out of here. She's noped out of here," and picks back up the All Might doll that Toga left behind. And we see Toga running across the buildings and uh, basically talking about how like she thought her and Ochako could be friends, kind of like she mentions wanting to have talked to her about love and things, but obviously that's not going to happen. And her mind has been made up, so she's running back to meet up with the rest of the league, which. Now that I'm thinking about it, the fact that she's not on the scene at the end of next episode makes me think she's going to come in clutch, you know, at this last episode in this first mm-hmm. core. I did. I really liked some of the discussion and the dialogue that took place between these two. It's a very short scene, but there's a lot to it. Um, it's probably not the last that we're going to see of this dialogue. Like, I suspect that there's some... This is like a touchstone that'll be circled back around to between Ochako and Toga, because Ochako tells... Toga, when she says, well, you know, Jim was special to me, Ochako says, well, those feelings should be shut away, which is her saying, this is what I've done with Midoriya. Um, And she's coming across a little hypocritical here because she says that, or she's at least prescribing that, even though based on her reaction to uh, the, the dropping of that All Might doll and Toga clutching it, that she hasn't been successful in that either. And then Toga says, well, I've been holding back this whole time, and I was told to stop when I was little, but as I've done that, they've only just gotten bigger. Um, And that's why I think that uh, the manga worded it a little bit better. In the the anime, she says, my feelings aren't pent up anymore. But in the manga, she says, my confusion is all cleared. And, And that's because she went to Ochako to determine... Uh, you know, it goes back to what she had, was trying to explain to the League of Villains when she was on the back of Gigantomachia. You know, am I, is, am I going to be killed by them too? What is their perception of me? How are yeah. they going to treat me? Is, does everybody treat every, does every hero treat every villain like Hawks did uh, twice? And so she's, now she's got it all sorted out. Um, and she doesn't come out. This, this was an opportunity, I think, for her to maybe have made a, a little bit of a turn. Uh, but the conversation did not go in a way that would allow for that, at least not right now. Who knows what could change? That's true. You know, this is something that I think is really interesting because there's this whole concept of like every new generation, we want them to be better than the last. And that's kind of what I feel like is potentially happening here. Like we saw Hawks kill, you know, Jin because he thought he had to. And I mean, he kind of did. Like we understand, we understand the logic there, right? Right. But Ochako choosing not to kill and to bring Toga in, because that's kind of the terminology she uses, is that next generation being better? Like, is it that they haven't realized that maybe death is the only option, or is it that they've taught this new generation better? And Ochako didn't even think of that. That's never even crossed her mind. It's never crossed Midoriya's mind. Like, it's it's Endeavor and Hawks and that that past generation teaching these kids how to be better heroes. And I think that's a really cool thing to see here. She does note that Toga was crying when she ran off. Yeah. Like, Toga, Toga is experiencing real 
real feelings about this. And so often she comes across as like ditzy and, and, you know, you know, way off the deep end kind of crazy, but like she's emoting here. This is very real for her. Um, and I don't think that, I mean, there's, there's a reading of this where she didn't receive the answer that she wanted. And now she has to go back to the league, um, where, where she was hoping that she could be there with Ochako and Sue, who, she thought, again, even just addressing her as Sue um, or Sue Yu or Asui, whatever it was that she called her, um, that there was a com- there was that level of relationship that existed between them. And Sue was very quick, and this might have fed to uh, Toga's reaction. She was very much like, I, I don't, like, don't call me that. Yeah, you I've don't get you to, call to call me call that. Me that. Yeah. 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 So that, that's, that's very divisive language. And, I, and she's looking for a place where she can be accepted. I'm really weirded. I'm going to rephrase that. I'm really uh, shocked that she doesn't feel like she's accepted by her League of Villain friends to some extent. Like, why is she looking for acceptance in these heroes? I, and that's something maybe I'm not able to identify with Toga is like, well, she's part of the villains, you know? And it's, it's why is she attached to these heroes in this kind of odd way? Does that make sense? So I think some of the language around the League has been that of well, we're all just together because of because we've been outcast and there's not a bunch of like actual cohesion there. But Toga had that with twice with Bob Aguara. Yeah. Yeah. And so now she's she's lacking that again. Um, and I think that it's it's also more than about relationships. I think it's also about her. I think it's also about her identity. But I, I do think that she's she was looking for this connection with people who she actually wants to be like. Uh, and she doesn't get it here. And so she goes yeah. back to the people that, that she can be with because these these folks maybe are making it clear that she can't. I wonder if this has something to do with uh, like what All for One has been talking about, about how the quirks kind of have those like memories or those prints of their original owners. We know that with Toga's quirk, she takes on those individuals. Like she takes on their quirks. Do you think she's absorbing like subconscious feelings and memories for people like Izuku or people like Sue from Ochako? You know, that she's like stealing their identities. It wouldn't surprise me if she's stealing memories and feelings subconsciously mm. as well with that quirk. Like this could just be a side effect. And oh my gosh, like how confusing would that be as an individual with that kind of quirk, you know? The one thing that I've that I thought too about her becoming those that she loves is I can't remember if this is confirmed or if it's something that we conjectured about, but surely she's got some of Twice's blood somewhere. And that means that, yeah, he's off of the table for now, but with her quirk evolution that happened back in Dyka City, if she consumes that blood, and maybe it's a one-time thing, I'm sure, but she doesn't have an unlimited pool anymore because he's dead. Maybe she even gathered up some more, I doubt that she went and visited the dead body. I don't know, maybe she did, but, um, you know, if she consumes it and then is able to also clone from that, that's reintroducing that yeah. big trump card to uh to the bad guy's side Jeez, no joke i mean but that even begs the question of like what happens to that clone because is it a clone of toga or is it a clone of twice i don't know that makes my brain hurt let's get yeah, back no to joke. talking about <laughs> <laughs> well Nijire and todoroki yeah i totally agree so when we transfer back over to the main fight we see uh, makia just like showing up in the background all for one is possessing, you know, Shigaraki sort of here still. We don't see that fight, but we see him through Shiggy's body. And he's just like, ah, perfect timing. Like, I love the way All for One talks. Now that we've got a lot more interactions with him, he's a lot of fun, man. Uh, but Shigaraki is literally so beat up that All for One is explaining.
meaning he could literally fall apart at any moment. And the only reason that rivet stab, that quirk uh, that's keeping him suspended in the air is out is because it's basically set up like in his spinal cord to auto track, apparently, in order to reduce the burden on Shigaraki's body and mind. So they have it configured somehow to maybe just activate it reminded me kind of like doc ox arms or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah that's Um, exactly what i thought about too yeah and it's just so unpredictable like that's that is how unpredictable his body is is that this quirk is literally activating to keep him up and barely alive uh but shodoro shodoroki nice (laughs) (laughs) but uh shodo is uh lighting the sky up i mean like he's just doing anything he can to light shiggy up and all for one is literally saying like all right this is it he's at his limits he cannot take any more hits Hato's flying in at him, just blasting with beams as well. And this combined hit is called Bring Flood, I think. Like, it had its own little title and everything. So that Yeah, kind of I didn't neat. understand that. Because it's not in the anime, up. and it makes no sense. Yeah. I don't know. It was cool, I thought. Uh, it's just a team-up, team like, combo attack, right? Yeah, but it was like, it was Najire's Flood plus uh, Todoroki's Flash Fire Fist Jet Kindling. And I don't. I, it like I was like, up around him and everything. Yeah, I just I, I don't. What the heck is a gring? Or is it a bring? <laughs> was it supposed to be ring? I, I don't have know. No idea. Yeah, I got nothing. Well, I, I was just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> this next scene was really shocking because Endeavor just interrupts everything with like run as Machia slaps everyone away. Like, and the 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 actor that voices Endeavor here is doing such an incredible job. Just getting that urgency across in that one word. Like, you could tell he was like, oh my god, Shoto, get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, the voice actors put in a lot of work over the course of these two episodes. Oh, for sure, for sure. Bakugo is being carried by Ida, and he tells him to put him down. Niga's like, your organs have been hit, dude. Like, if you keep moving, you're going to die. And Bakugo's response is to say that he needs complete victory. Uh, Gigantamaki is kind of hovering there in the background. Um, one of the other characters later on notices that as soon as he got there, he accomplished his last uh, command. And so uh, he's uh, he begins to show fatigue. He's starting to breathe heavy. His uh, The crazy, what you call it, like a Digimon evolution uh, spurs on him, uh, yeah, retract. Yeah. And uh, Spinner's concerned about Shigaraki. Endeavor's running over there, checking on Shoto with Deku still under his arm. And uh, he's starting to bear a lot of responsibility right now. And he's only going to get worse as this episode goes on. Because he's he's thinking to himself, uh, he's apologizing to Hawks. He says, it's my fault this guy started moving. Um, and I just have my notes that he doesn't know. He doesn't know about Hawks' current state right now. Um, he, yeah, there's, there's a lot that he's unaware of in Dever. Uh, but he says he's got to figure out what got Gigantamachia's quirk is, he's got to take him down, but he's got this collapsed lung, and he's curious as to what he can do, but he just brings back that line, just watch me. Um, I think that he said that during the, uh, the when he was crowned the f- number one hero. Yeah, like the big announcement. Yeah, so he, he's like, how much can I do with a body that hurts when I breathe? And he, his answer is, just watch me. Um, but Dobby pops up, noting both Endeavor and Shoto. Um, he's popped up on the back of Gigantamachia. Uh, and when Endeavor calls him Dobby, his response as we go to a break is, don't call me that. I've got this splendid name already. Uh, and he introduces himself as, uh, Toya Todoroki. And we get some really cool, like, um, just touch, we touch base with a lot of the Endeavor family over the course of this episode. Yeah. So he, the, the, we find out the reason that he uh, took Skeptic along was because Skeptic could put this video that they'd made out on satellite. 
Yeah, all, yeah, yeah. Makes all the sense. And now we understand why he was grabbed. It wasn't because he was going to make him spill the beans on the one mistake he ever made. Oh, man. It should have been in the uh, like bookend of that video. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this TV signal, all o- TV signal all over the world is interrupted. And we have Dabby who, uh, Dobby, who's bare-chested, uh, sitting on a red couch. He introduces himself to the world as Toya Todoroki, or at least to Japan, son of the number one hero endeavor. And we even get this, like, heart-wrenching a little bit scene where we notice that Ray is watching this, Gosh, like, in her little hospital room. So sad. So he says, I'm the oldest Todoroki son, and up until now, I've killed over 30 innocent people. Why did I commit such offensive acts? Endeavor once yearned for power, and from his despair at being unable to surpass All Might, in order to have a child with a stronger quirk... He forced his wife to marry him, and I was created for the sake of my father's selfish dreams, uh, which kind of connects to the Nomu and Shigaraki a little. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a couple parallels there, but he says, but apparently I was a failure, and he gave up on me before long, and I was abandoned and forgotten, but I didn't forget. Uh, and so he says, without being told, I watched you this whole time. I'm not saying everyone must be completely without fault, but you do. You have to. I don't know why, but I'm starting to have fun. And this is where the episode title comes in, uh, Dobby Dance. This is kind of ridiculous. Adam, I know you don't um, read the manga uh, side by side. You don't check in on it, right? I haven't in a long time, no. Okay, so in in this chapter, what is called Dobby Dance, and in on Twitter, like in the week leading up to this, People all over Twitter were like, if they don't animate Dobby Dance well, we riot. Dobby Dance in the manga (laughs) is like four panels, maybe. It's not much to work with. The anime executed it excellently. So they got what they wanted. But the source material that they were like, you better do this right, is so little relative to what I thought it was going to be that I was like, this is what people were excited about. There's like four panels where he might be dancing. (laughs) Uh, Like if it hadn't have been titled this episode is, or this, uh, the chapter that it shows up in is actually called Dobby dance. Some of this, I would not have interpreted strictly as dancing. Like what I, I, man, anime Twitter is just a, it's a place. That is a a place. It needs its own like subreddit to capture that. I feel like just, just these crazy claims. Cause that's pretty wild. I would have, I I feel like I did see some of that actually. Uh, and I want to say that I would have expected it to be a full blown like page or two based off of the, some of the things I've seen. So yeah, that's, that's pretty wild. Nope. You get a panel where he's got like a blurry hand and foot. You get a panel where he appears to have clapped. You get a panel where his uh, the the tails of his coat is swirling, and then you get a panel where he appeals to be twirling, and it's like full body, and that's the most indicative thing of a dance of all of it. Wow. And I was like, that that was it. That was the that was the thing that you guys were like, this better be good. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, all right. Now that all those people have unsubscribed from us, <laughs> uh, so he's talking about how happy he is. He says, "How could I make you suffer and trample on your life? It's been all I've thought about since that day." I didn't know why I existed, and I cried every day clinging to Natsu. You didn't know, did you, about that? At first, when you completed your puppet, Shoto, and that even that word, completed, is very clinical. It's yeah. very, uh, it's task or mission oriented. It talks nothing of love and relationships, but I think that there's some cultural stuff there too, a little, but um, he says, I thought that I'd just kill him, but then you unexpectedly became number one, and I wanted to make you happy. I was afraid... He, he wanted to make him happy so that he could hurt him more, basically. Um, and that's why he says, I was afraid when you were going to die in Kyushu. Uh, so he led Star Servant in an ending to, the, uh, to them one after another. So being number one must have been a heavy burden. 
You were soothed by admiration from the public, though, weren't you? That time that you spent talking to your kids made you feel the bonds of family, right? So you thought you could live properly if you only looked to the future. But he says the past won't go away. You reap what you sow, so let's fall together. Uh, uh, NG Todoroki, come dance with me in hell, won't you, Father? Uh, it's a excellent monologue. Oh, it is. And this is all, like, not in the video. It's been switched back over. We're back at Giganto Machia, and he's saying all of this to Endeavor's face. And it's pretty wild, because he even tells him at the very beginning of this that he's showing the whole world what's happening. So Endeavor's right. just standing there, like, totally paralyzed, like, what in the F is going on? Like, he has no idea, right? Like, his son that that he thought was dead is up here and not only that but his son has been this villain that he's been fighting forever and there's a a scene here that that happens before he goes on this monologue where Dobby says like man I know my face ended up like this but I really would have thought my re- my family would have recognized me mm-hmm. and that's just so sad like I don't know that broke my heart for him it's like gosh yeah like and he he actually says something that I think you and I have said like well, you really didn't know me like what, because fire quirks are a dime a dozen? Like, there's millions right, right. of them? <laughs> yeah. In the manga, it's like, just because you could create an entire hero agency full of people who had fire quirks, that's why you thought that I wasn't yours. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what made it easy. Yeah, um, man. This was just, it's so brutal. And and I got to say, kudos to the team that animated this, because Endeavor, like, every single bit about the way he is just standing from the moment that Dobby dumps that water over his head and his his hair dye goes away... Like, you can just tell this man's world has been shattered. Like, regardless of how he saw his kids, he's in a place now where he sees them very differently. And I think he he probably feels totally, absolutely awful about what had happened in the past. And now he's having to face all of that head on, like train just smacking him in the face. It It was really well done, man. This is wild. Yeah, he he does feel like trash. And... I think that there's there's a phrase I I don't live in that house anymore and I think that that's a a relevant thing to apply to uh to Engie but Dobby won't let him experience redemption. No. That's what he doesn't want him to have. Um now does that mean that Endeavor isn't experiencing redemption? No. I don't I don't think that that's a fair read. But I do think that Dobby is basically saying you don't get that. Um and and so he's working very hard to Un, uh, undo any progress that he's made in that department and also kind of sabotage and and shatter any any illusions that he might have had about that progress even inside of his own family even with the person that he calls his uh, that Dobby re- routinely refers to as his like complete and perfect puppet because yeah. um, he even says even the guy even when he did get the kid that was uh, that had both Ray's ice quirk and his fire quirk he abused that person too like he's this terrible human being and we've been, we've been on record by saying as much oh, about yeah. him then um but we can you can also see that he's he's doing better but dobby won't he refuses to let that happen in part because uh of what uh it cost him as a kid yeah and i, I was gonna ask you because we we kind of transitioned from this scene of of endeavor looking on just in utter shock to him having this flashback explaining that like it was a super cold winter day the air was super dry they were up on sakoto peak where apparently toya died and he was just training and it wasn't very clear if he was training with toya and there was an accident 
or if he was training and maybe Toya went to go visit him, like, oh, I'm going to sneak off and train with dad and surprise him. Like, or snuck off to train by himself. Or something. Yeah. Like yeah. maybe he had snuck off to train by himself and then caused the fire and Endeavor ran after him. Like there's so many possible scenarios here, but Endeavor explains that the flames were over 2000 degrees Celsius and there was literally no body left, that the wind had basically picked up the ashy bones and spread them across the entire mountain. And the only thing they could find was his jawbone. And this kind of led me down this trail of like, okay, how old was Toya when this happened? Because my I did some research. Dobby, your Toya, is 24 years old. Shoto is 16. So there's definitely a time period there where they could have potentially like grown up together or at least been, you know, close to some extent, I guess. Because my thought was like Toya has a lot of I'm going to say disdain for Totoro or Shoto, at least what he stands for. And it, I wonder if, if he saw him as like the little brother at some point, or if he had passed long before that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so that's a difference of what, six years. And I don't think that Toya would have been much older than that based on these flashbacks that we see. So there's a, there is a good chance that if, if uh, Shoto had been born, that he was eight an years? infant. Yeah, eight years, I think. So, eight years. Yeah, it would, he would have to have been an infant. Because I think, I don't know, I want to say based off the flashbacks we saw when this would have happened, he couldn't have been more, like Shoto would have been around a year old when Toya died, I would think. Yeah, and Toya sees in Todoroki, in Shoto rather, what he was supposed to be. Right. And even what he wanted to be. You see how excited he is in these flashbacks about, uh, bec- you know, learning super moves. Like, and Enji and, uh, being like, I'm going to turn him into a hero. Like, there yeah. was, so there was that that seed planted in his brain, but then he's becomes keenly aware of his own shortcomings, namely that even though his fire burns hotter than Endeavor's does, he has none of that, uh, or or much less of that heat resistant quality that Endeavor does, and Endeavor's isn't even perfect. We've seen that happen even just in this particular fight, but uh, back in Vigilantes as well, having been cooled down, um, and Toya is capable of very easily burning himself, which is an extreme limitation. Yeah, we get this really like awesome scene of him, you know, like training Toya and stuff, and then having that mental image he has of that huge chasm between him and All Might. And, yeah, and that's saying, a good, like, that was a good visual. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, because he was thinking to himself, like, oh, I thought you could have smashed that gap between us, but it it couldn't happen. And and it's kind of sad too because he even sort of goes into talking about how like at the time he didn't care that that Toya didn't have that perfect quirk, like he was going to keep trying anyway. So he had Natsu and. His other daughter, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Uh, Fuyumi. Fuyumi, thank you. Yeah, he says neither of them had the quirks that I wanted, but I was fine with that. Yeah, like, I'm totally cool with that. And so, like, there's this moment of, like, realizing, like, sure, he didn't have what he wanted, but it didn't mean he didn't love his kids, or at least didn't like them to some extent, you know? Like, he still Mm -hmm. respected them for their their individuality. It's just, I don't know, this scene was, uh, everything about it was just really heart-wrenching. They did a good job here. Horikoshi, kudos, man. Yeah, and it, and it also highlights elements of Endeavor's character that have been hidden even from us. Yeah. Like this, like the, his, his expressed adoration and even happiness. Happiness is the word used in the manga. Neither child bore the ideal quirk I was hoping for, but at the, at the time I was happy all the same. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for him, we, we've had this perspective on him that was fostered by, uh, what has been presented where it's just like, this kid doesn't have both quirks. I'm done. 
this kid doesn't have both quirks, whatever, you know, and he ignores them at best. Yeah, because um, that's definitely the impression I think we've been under, which maybe that eventually happened after Toya, but I, I feel like initially, at least, he was as happy as anybody would be. Yeah, and then he gets the kid who does have both, and, we, and we've seen flashbacks that are brutal yeah. with the way that he treated that, that the child that he was des- most desirous of. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, but at first, he actually, like, tells Dobby or Toya. I guess we're going to have to decide, who, do you think he's going to continue to go as Toya now, or should we keep calling him Dobby? I think either one is fine. People yeah. listening are smart. They can sort it out. That's fair. I'm curious in the in the canon what he's going to go by. But regardless, he he pretty much tells Dobby, like, dude, you were not my son. There's no way that person died. And Dobby's like, I'll give you DNA. Like, what do you want? Yeah. I've already proved it. It's out there. I 23 it... and meet it, daddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he says he knows not everyone will believe it, but he can only ask that they do. And he basically accuses Endeavor of everything you said earlier, like just being this very horrible person. And at the end of all of these accusations, he says, how can someone like that be called a hero? And all across the world, we see people just getting upset. We saw the little kid that, that had his hand up in the air for Endeavor just, what, Yeah, what's last his name? Season? Look Boy? Look or Boy, yeah, something, something like that. Something like that. Uh, uh, Look Boy. I'm like, I, I think fist, that's right. I called him Fist Up Kid in my, in my notes. Uh, but, <laughs> but he's like crying. He can't believe it. He doesn't believe it at all. And then there's this weird, like, I say weird, that's not nice. There's this like, like shark kid that's with him who is pretty much just like, even if this isn't true... Dobby spoke first. Like the seeds are right. sowed. It's out there. This is this is gonna absolutely kill Endeavor and any perception that that was out there of him. And uh, then to top it all off, he basically shows the entire world Hawks killing Jim. Yeah, I brutal. mean, jeez. And and then saying at the end of that, look at what Hawks this hero was doing while I was trying to save him. I mean, the mm-hmm. it's just framed these heroes in such a negative light. And of course, you know, it's in a a time when heroes are already being questioned and best genus is up on that plane watching Dobby's video, thinking that exact thing, like you waited for the perfect moment. And even skeptic says like, dude, what an ACE card. I had no idea. This is insane. Yeah. And he even, uh, airs out a lot of information about Hawks himself. Uh, you know, he's, he's saying that this Hawks guy, you know, it's not surprising this guy, this Hawks dude that did the backstabbing literally, uh, that his father was a villain who committed yeah. serial robberies and murderers. And he said that's why he had his past and his name hidden. And he says his father was actually caught by you, by Endeavor. Those are the kinds of people Endeavor surrounds himself with, to cover up such shady human nature by calling it justice and then calling himself a hero on top of that. He's tricking people. What he's protecting is himself. And he says, "You're all." this is at the end of the video, you're all just being used as tools of these dishonorable people for their own self-protection and self-affirmation. Yeah, gosh, this is so brutal because after... This is all kind of like revealed. Dobby is up on Gigantomachia and he is just reveling in his victory. He knows that he's just crushed Endeavor in every kind of way. And he jumps to attack him and he's starting to light up his fist and do this like massive prominence burn. Endeavor's just totally paralyzed and poor Shoto is standing there like begging him to do anything. Like, Dad, please move. He even says, don't do this now. Do it later. Like, you've got to protect somebody. You know, we're going to fight back, but you've got to do something. He's He's begging Endeavor to react, and and Dobby's just like right there, ready to absolutely murder them. And right at the last second, Best Genus shuts the whole show down. It's wild. 
And that, yeah, he does the thing that he did in Vigilantes when uh, he uh, was at the Sky Egg. Yeah. And we, we talked at length about that, that he was using metal cables. It's so cool. It's so cool. And like we pick up almost immediately on that next episode, which is 125, and it's titled Threads of Hope. Uh, there's a, a scene here of the that jet just opening up and all of these massive containers with that metal thread falling down. Such a cool scene. It really is. It's totally badass that he just jumps out of the back of that without a parachute. It reminded me of that scene in Captain America. I think it was Winter Soldier where he jumps out and the other soldiers are like, did he have a parachute on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, before we get too deep into 125, there were two just real quick things. One is there's this throwaway line from Compress um, when Toya reveals his lineage yeah. where he says something like, you have an interesting lineage too. And I was like, is he talking about in addition to Shigaraki because he knows that they like that he's connected to Nana Shimura, but I don't know that they know that. Or is Compress talking about his own lineage? I think Compress um, has got to be talking about his own lineage because of the way he ends this next episode. Like he's talking about everybody going all out and it kind of being his turn. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to show them a real circus or, or I've got the quote. He says, uh, um, I'm going to show them the greatest show on earth. It makes me think that he's also got some sort of like, Ba- like hidden background that's going to blow our minds too. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about that. Yeah. Um, and then I also have in my notes. Do you think that the prominence burn, if Dobby had been successful in it, that it was a kamikaze attack? I think so. I think I I actually had that thought too. Like if that attack, in my opinion, was one of like I'm taking out everybody. I will kill myself. You, the whole world. Like we're going to take the number one hero out and his prodigy and myself after this massive announcement and let it absolutely ruin every single perception of you possible. I, I think you've got something there for sure. Well, because we know that his he's not immune to his own fire. Yeah. Prominence to burn is like the big attack. It's like 110%. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I would imagine that if he were successful, it would have been, um, it would have been two, it would have been Inji and also Toya who had died from that. Yeah. And I guess Shoto would have survived. He wasn't right there. I, but I don't know. I mean, does, I guess is he his you know he's standing right next to uh Endeavor, isn't he? Yeah, he's right next to Endeavor, Turn but right but I mean he does have seemingly more flame resistant than obviously than Dobby, but I think more than Endeavor as well. I feel like he is at a point in his his like hero career where he probably could have iced himself over in time to save himself. I don't think he would have died. That could be true. But, but I, they, yeah, they best... actually do comment on that sort of in this next episode because Dobby makes a mention of like you know, what kind of face do you think Endeavor would make if my flames burned you? And mm-hmm. it, it, I thought it kind of brought up an interesting topic of like, you know, it, I know that the flame folks are resistant to their own flames, but is that biological? And can other flame bother them? You know, it, it just yeah. brought up an interesting thing I hadn't considered about flame quarks before. It's like everybody likes their own smell, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but with fire. But with fire. <laughs> Um, so best genus does, he leaps out, uh, th- much to the shock of Dobby, because again, he, uh, uh something that I, th- I can't remember if we mentioned, but in the video, he says, yeah, that Hawks guy who stabbed twice in the back also killed a hero. Oh the yeah. Number three pro hero. Yeah, that's right. Um, so he was unaware that best genus was alive. And so he's like, you're supposed to be dead. Um, <laughs> and then man, best genus just comes hard and fast with all these, uh, like denim jokes and oh, I know. thread language. I mean, he's he's always done it, and it, it has always not been my favorite thing about he's him. He's not had but screen time in like three seasons. It was his time. It was his turn. It, yeah, he was due for some, he I was, guess. Yeah. But 
Dobby says, well, just because you're alive doesn't mean that my past will disappear. And um, Spinner notices that Gigantomachia's stamina seems to have drained after finishing that order. We touched briefly on that. So he's like begging Shigaraki to wake up. He's just like, he even tries biting <laughs> even him tries to wake him up. Him which, that was such a weird oh, man. move. Spinner is freaking um, out. That poor guy is like, guys, I have no powers. Please, for the love of God, <laughs> do something. <laughs> Najire comes in firing the 100% spiraling flood, but gets sniped by Dobby, who I think is at this moment engaged. Uh, he's tied up with the he's tied the up twine, but he's twine also been fighting, fighting with. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love uh, this too because he he calls out to Endeavor and blames Endeavor. He's like, "Look what your flames did again." Yes, I loved that line, yeah. and this comes That's up so later. Uh, that I will I will tie it back in later, but but it, just keep that in your mind. Pin that thought. Yeah, a young person with a bright future burned by your flames. And then Midoriya, brain- oh man, there's a good parallelism at the very end of this That's episode. what I'm saying, Super yeah, good. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you burned someone again. He's just constantly placing that, uh, it, it's projection and, and uh, uh, displacement of blame. And uh, man, Midoriya serves him up yeah. in, a, in a minute. Yeah. Midoriya is still trying to force himself to move. Um, Todoroki's suffering the most, he says, like even though he can't use his limbs and Bakugo has got, you know, damaged organs. He's still like Todoroki's got, he's got it the worst right now and well, he's still fighting. I can kind of see how he would feel that way. Like imagine Midoriya's mom being on scene too, you know, like that I'm would only down. add to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm joking at it, uh, joking about it from the, the physical element. Sure. I'm not yeah. saying that Todoroki's just fine. Like He'll live. Um, <laughs> he's definitely in the best physical shape. We've covered that for sure. But yeah, yeah emotionally, he's he's being he's just he's got it bad right now. Man. I do like um too that uh, the anime does a really good job of showing how much strain is being put on Best Genist. I would imagine now that we've already said that there was the line that he hadn't quite fully recovered. I think Best Genius on his best day would still be having trouble with this. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, Jagatamaku has put everybody through hell. Like, there's, he's doing everything he can to keep this massive beast contained, and literally nothing else has stopped him. Like, the idea that a bunch of metal threads can is kind of wild. Um, yeah. But I love this moment because he's looking down and he sees that Endeavor is completely defeated, he says, in his own words. That's got to be so demoralizing. And he's like, I cannot give up or our country is defeated. That's the scale of this at this point. And I don't know. There's something about Best Genius realizing that, that I was just like, dang, son, like how like, big balls to stand there and do what you're doing, man. <laughs> <laughs> we get uh, a quick kind of flashback of Shiggy or maybe just a mental image of him remembering uh, his itchiness and allergies when he was at home and he snaps out of it just long enough uh, to say, uh, all right, now it's time Machia destroy, um, which kicks Gigantomachia back up into uh, full gear. Breaking and, uh, the And then I just have in my notes, huh? I said breaking the threads of hope. Yeah. Then I just have in my notes, hey, remember those Nomu that were like an episode's <laughs> big cliffhanger? Yeah, yeah, because uh, off we... in the distance, there's a bunch of random heroes that literally look like <laughs> copy paste from other scenes we've had at the uh, Villa Gunga or the Gunga Villa. Uh, yeah. And they're just fighting other like random Nomus. And then we get burned for half a second. And you can tell she's like legit because she's actually animated well. <laughs> I know that sounds horrible, uh, but there's this one Nomu that basically is about to like bite her or, or attack her. And then they just all turn around and fly off. And she says, wow, this is really crazy. Like, this must have been prearranged. The last 20 to 30 minutes of this fight, they start working together. That's wild. Like, it's been chaos up till now. This has to have been planned. And then this big worm-like tremors kind of uh, uh, Nomu pops up and is about to eat her. And out of nowhere, 
our boy Lemillion, who I know we said we would never say again, uh, but he shows up and he he just wrecks face, man. Like these Nomi were nothing for him. Yeah, so in the manga, this is page 11 of chapter 292, um, when the Nomu that was uh, coming up behind Burnin gets gets punched, and all you see is something interrupt its advance, like an arm, maybe, or just something that hits it near its oh, brain. that's so much that's better. It. Because in this, it it's is. literally everything. Like, <laughs> it shows the cape, the glimmer. I think he maybe even says something, and then it zooms out, and it's just full-on Mirio, so... Oh, you can see him for like two or three frames full body yeah. in this scene in the anime. The anime totally botched the delivery of the 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 return of both Best Genist and Mirio. It's not to say that neither of them were hype, but from a dramatic pacing perspective, bad, I agree. just not good. It had me sitting there thinking like, well, who the hell else is going to show up? Like all of these like <laughs> right. Deus Ex is right at the last second, you know? Well, Dobby and Todoroki's fight is heating up. Uh, and Todoroki is just furious with Toya because he's like, you said you pushed the villains to act uh, against Endeavor, but Natsu almost died too. And uh, you you just said that you cried clinging to him, right? So what if he died? And Dobby's just like, well, then that would have been just fine. Endeavor would have suffered. That was the whole thing. Yeah. And so Todoroki's like, are you crazy? And Dobby's just <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I yeah. I love that. Yeah, I am. Yeah, Your big am. brother can't feel anything anymore, man. Yeah. And then he says, I can finally kill you now, though. Uh, and then we've got these four Nomu that broke off from Burnin and Co. Uh, that are sneaking up, uh, sneaking up on Best Genus, and they're spotted even by Best Genus, but he can't afford to break his concentration, so he's basically a sitting duck. Uh, Deku is aware of all of this, and uh, he wills himself to move using Float and Black Whip since he's pretty well busted up. Uh, and this is kind of like I, I wondered. This is kind of like the inversion of the my body moved without thinking. This is. I have to think really hard yeah. to get my body to move. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I had considered that. It's like the exact I don't opposite. know if there's anything poetic or smart in there, but there you go. Uh, and then he says, no one has been saved yet. And I thought that this is just a crushing reality oh, for him. Yeah. No one has been saved yet. So he's like, don't be someone useless who can't even save a single person. Uh, and at, at this time, as he's trying to will himself to go there and be there for best genus, now on page 16 of chapter 292, you get uh, Mirio's face kind of emerge like it did in front of the trash can at the school um, from uh, the ground beneath Best Genist in the uh, in the Nomu. Uh, and he shouts out his his uh, trademarked power. And now he's on the scene. And the, the anime just delivered this dramatic beat much, much, much better. Or the, 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 the manga did. Yeah, because in this one, he, he like pops out of the ground, knocks out all the Nomus, and then he sinks below the ground. And he starts kind of revealing that Eerie had been practicing rewind on like lizards, like regrowing their tails. And so he hated to ask her, but he did eventually ask her to practice, you know, her powers on him or at least use them in small doses. And he felt horrible about it, but... She's like, well, I've been practicing, so there's nothing to worry about. And then we flash back to the present. It was just this. And like, what was weird was Deku and, and Ochako and everybody was there. So did they expect right. it this whole time? Yeah. What? Like, uh, yeah, Deku not Deku being there absolutely should have. Like, because like Ochako and, and uh, Sue, I think, was the uh, other one that was. Yeah, there. they're not on the scene, but Najiri sure. is also at this scene. Yeah, but, but I'm like, what? So. I, I'm just really confused by that. Why was Deku not ex like it just totally expecting. Mirio to show up at some point. I, I don't know. I don't know. That it seems super weird. Uh, so, but regardless, uh, he shows up and he's he's kind of saving the day here. It's like this awesome moment. But then it's really funny because uh, he kind of pops back up above ground and he is saying like, "I'm not really at full power just quite yet, uh, so I can't completely take on all the no moves." And he just starts screaming for help. 
So I I had a little bit of a uh, a struggle with the way that his movement was displayed in the anime. Really? Like it looks kind of like he's just able to fly and that's not at all how his power works. He, he like it's uh, what's it called? Permeate permeation, per- something yeah, like this, something where like he kind of goes under the ground, orients his body and then kind of reconstitutes it and is like shot out. But in this, he's just hanging out in midair for a, a bunch of this episode. It's, he's not like bouncing much. Yeah, see, um, I took that as them slowing down to show various impacts and things like that because they are showing him going beneath the ground to bounce back out. So I, I get what you're saying, um, but I kind of took it as them like trying to make it dramatic, if that makes sense. Not Not displaying his quirk weirdly. Maybe the dialogue carried on at the same pace. That's though. true. Yeah, <laughs> it was just I was like, man, he's just flying because um, they do. They show him descending sometimes, uh, but I think that he's it, it wasn't handled quite like I think that it would if it were at more accurate a depiction of how his quirk actually works. But um, speaking of how quirks actually work, Bakugo begins reflecting on the rainbow explosions that we talked briefly about. Yeah, he noticed uh, them too. In the last episode. And he was like, they weren't like anything I did before. They were distinct, fast, strong explosions and this sense of danger from impending death. And, and he's just like, I have to save them. So he comes blasting uh, into the fray as well. Even Najiri picks herself back up after being baked by Dobby. Uh, and she she takes a little bit of motivation just from Mirio's presence, and this is where we get the name reveal. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> so I had uh, I had to take credit for this in the Discord because uh, after I watched the first episode of this this pair, or I guess this this trio, um, I was in the Discord. And I was like, okay, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But there was a time where Best Genius was like, you can't have, you need to come up with your hero name and so when you get your provisional license come back and tell me what it is and Bakugo never got the opportunity to do that um but at some point he did say i know what my name is but there's somebody that i have to tell first and and that person being best genist and so now he has that opportunity and i was like in the next episode or two he's got to be revealing what his name is and it, he does um he calls himself great explosion murder god dynamite the problem with this is that in the anime um if you're not watching subtitled, if you're watching it dubbed, or if you're not reading the manga, the wordplay makes no sense. Because what he says is Great Explosion Murder God Dynamite. And given his power, you would expect dynamite to be spelled D-Y-N-A-M-I-T-E, right? Um, but it's not. It's spelled D-Y-N-A-M-I-G-H-T because he's honoring All Might with his name. So at some point, there's got to be this silly scene, right, where he's going to, like, register that name, and they give him his card, and it's spelled a great explosion, murder god, D-Y-N-A-M-I-T-E, and he's like, no, no, that's not how this is spelled, and they're like, yes, it is, and he's like, no, it's D-Y-N-A-M-I-G-H-T, and then he has to explain why it's not spelled like actual <laughs> dynamite, and that, that brings me much joy, but it's totally lost verbally, like, it's not there visually unless you're reading the subtitles or the manga, and I... That seemed kind of odd. I get the feeling he'd probably just end up going by, like, Dynamite. Like, there's no way that people call him his full name. Although, I guess Ida does in a couple of minutes. So. He does. He yeah. absolutely is Which the was... first person to take it for a full-length spin, and it's it's delightful. It's pretty dope that he did that. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but regardless, when he says his name, like, we get kind of, like, a round-around of all of the various people that are <laughs> yeah. in this scene. And, like, so we hear it's childish. It's too long. It's lame. It's very violent. But then finally, Mirio is like, I like it. It's fun. And Bakugo, this scene cracks me up because 
they're falling and Bakugo just crashes into the ground and then Mirio lands right next to him. And it's within yeah. a time frame <laughs> that Mirio could have caught Bakugo. And I was like, what are you doing, Mirio? Come on, man. Like, help a brother out there. Uh, so that, that had me cracking up. But Mirio says, a bright future won't come to a society without energy and humor. And then he's like, sorry, but that's, you know, the way I, I think about things. That's my saying or my motto. And then he flies off. We catch back up with Dobby and Shoto, and uh, Dobby's like, well, it looks like they're all having fun over there while you're over here just having a, huff, uh, a tough time, aren't you? And he just goes in and gives him a hug. Yeah. <laughs> he just embraces Shoto. Um, I thought I was like, what an odd opportunity um, to just give yourself a hug. But he's explaining, or Shoto counters. He's like, well, your body's burned too, dude. Like literally, Dobby's literally like, burning. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm really happy right now. Look at that face. And he's pointing down at Endeavor. He's like, even though the doll that his, that's his greatest masterpiece lost to the firepower of his failure and is about to die, he's just broken. So if you get burned by my flames, what kind of expression do you think dad will show me? Uh, and as he goes to presumably affect uh, that kill, he is interrupted by Black Whip um, because Deku has figured out that even though he doesn't have any strength in his limbs, Black Whip and Float, um, a sp- specifically Froppy style Black Whip. What, what's your uh, what's your take on Froppy style Black Whip? I like it. It was unexpected, uh, and I'm not sure I understand the mechanics of why Black Whip can't come out of his limbs. But I like I like Froppy style. I think it's a cool callback. I like that he picks I think something that they up. C- I think they can come out of his limbs because they have. I think they can come out from a lots of places. That's what I was. So I don't know why too. he didn't go with like something out of the back. I guess. Well, that's kind of what I was like. Are we under the impression that Black Whip is something he has to like manipulate with his hands? Because I didn't get I that. Think, yeah, I think that there's a tactile, uh, like like Spider Man web for sure. I mean, pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you remember he was using it. We we well, we at least we we conjectured that he was using them as like, even like a cast, you know? Oh, yeah, that's um, right. I guess, I don't know. When I saw them in the past, I didn't think of them in that manner. Like I didn't think he had to activate them with any kind of muscles. I just thought they were thought driven. So I thought that that was weird from this perspective, but I like Froppy yeah. style. Like if that's the rules for this, because whatever, sometimes rules make sense in this world and then they don't, I'm totally cool with Froppy style. I thought it was a cool callback. I think that it's funny in the manga, there's a single panel where uh, it's the crew that Midoriya had rounded up to help him with Black Whip and Float. So Chaco, Sue, Saro are there. Um, And so Sue has got her tongue sticking out, which makes sense. She's I guess she's showing something to Midoriya, who is in his Afro state in this particular panel. (laughs) But then next to him or next to her is Saro, who's pointing at his own mouth. I'm like, what? 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 (laughs) <laughs> Why are you pointing at your mouth and not to your elbows? What well, you didn't know uh, is his but, tongue anyway. is uh, like that, like his, his elbows. His tape, <laughs> yeah. tape too? Gross. <laughs> uh, Dobby is offended that Deku has interjected himself. He says, don't poke your nose into family business. But Midori is like, this is my business. Todoroki is a good friend. Endeavor is my teacher and my mentor and somebody who's made me stronger. And so he says, the past won't disappear. Oh, no, this is Dobby. The past will, won't disappear. I'm looking at the Endeavor who's... No, it's, it's not. It's, it is Midoriya. It's Midoriya. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I had that labeled, right? So the past will not disappear. He's seeding that point. But he says, I'm looking at the Endeavor who's working hard now yeah. with the emphasis on that last word. You're not Endeavor. And then he says, don't talk about Endeavor's flames. It's your quirk, isn't it? Which is exactly what he said to Todoroki yes. um, 
when they were in the U.S. I love this. Like Midoriya absolutely needs to send them a freaking psychiatry bill at the end of all of this because he has <laughs> mentored three Todorokis now. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh man, oh, it, it's man. all with the same advice, pretty much too. It's so wide. It's it's so funny that like it's simple. Like he's basically just like, guys, you're not your dad. Stop it. <laughs> Dobby changes his tactics here, too, which is odd, because he's like, everybody knows that, but don't you feel bad for me? Yeah, I know. And, and I I'm can't, like, like, you haven't been talking about people, you, you're not, you haven't looked for pity at all in any of this. And I can't <laughs> tell if he really is, or if he's, uh, yeah, I don't know. That yeah, if he's so being weird. a little jocular about yeah, it. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, I can't tell what he's going for here, because I don't think he wants pity from anybody. Um, I don't know. I really, really hope that we get more about what happened to him. Like, who found him? How did he survive? Like, there's got to be more story there that we don't know yet, and I so hope we get it soon. Mm. Um, we we get this another. We we've seen this before. Like in one of the last two episodes, where there's like a lightning bolt thing next to Midoriya's head. Uh, so I don't know if maybe it's one of his other quirks. Like, um, cause he sees, it's almost like a premonition. Of, so maybe of like it's not like a Machia. Cause he has this moment yeah. where he sees Gigantomachia like snap and he's like, oh, I felt this before. And yeah. I, so I, maybe it's not a spider sense thing, but like a, he's able to just see just a little into the future, I, but, or isn't that kind of the same thing? I don't know. I kind of assume that maybe one of the previous quirk owners in all for one, uh, or sorry, one for all, maybe we're tied back to Gigantomachia somehow. Like, what if there's some weird connection there that we don't know about yet? Mm. I don't know. But I like your idea better of it being premonition. <laughs> that sounds way better. Um, <laughs> but I do want to say real quick before we move too fast forward, I thought this was really awesome. Dobby has a comment here talking about, like, how he's trying to uh, show where all the blame lies for everything. And he kind of has this moment where he's saying that, like, I was a ally of justice. Like, that's me. It's not that evil is necessarily flourishing right now as much as justice is just collapsing. And I was like, dang, that's pretty powerful. I feel like that's a that's a really way like a good way to put it. What he says is the crime committed by an ally of justice. That's me. Yeah, I'm the crime that was committed by Endeavor. So he's like the embodiment of crime. Right, there. right. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's that justice is collapsing, which is a very stain-like comment Absolutely. to make, honestly. Absolutely. So that, that totally makes some sense to me. But Gigantomachia does end up standing up. Um, Endeavor goes in for one last uppercut out of nowhere. And when he lands this thing, he not, I mean, he, he lands it, uh, he manages to even hit so hard that he like snaps Gigantomachia's head backwards, which is dope. Oh, so cool. Like how hard must he have hit, yeah, right? Yeah, no joke. Um, his his eyes wide out um, after knocking his head back, but then the uh, the uh, anesthetics finally kick in, and Best Genus is like, I don't know who accomplished this, but our hopes are finally being spun together. He says many people chipped away little by little with whatever meager power that they had at this giant stamina and spirit, and though each thread by itself may be thin, they can be twisted together to form a rope. If even one thin uh, one thread had broken, we would not have gotten this result. So I didn't realize that uh, that uh, Best Genus uh, moonlighted as a, a a Bible teacher and pastor, but uh, <laughs> that that concept that he just delivered is straight out of Ecclesiastes. Oh wow, man! What's so wild here too is like after Endeavor lands that punch, there's this moment where Bakia like snaps back forward, like snaps his jaw yeah, shut, yeah, like it, like oh, it didn't, like it didn't, like it didn't it do did anything, nothing. yeah, and then he falls forward. But for a split second, I was like. Endeavor's going to get eaten. 
There's no way that he yeah. doesn't turn into Makia food. Like that's about to happen. Yeah. That would have been crazy, but man, when that it's like you freeze frame it and you do the meme, and this is when you knew you messed <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. You know? I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, but right as the uh, Makia is falling, Best Genius just absolutely has that hero mode. He he goes immediately into action. He wraps Makia up with everything that he can. Everyone's continuing to fight around him. Uh, Dobby's body is like absolutely starting to overheat here, and Shoto says that at this point because makia is out of the battle or out of the picture is if it's a battle of wills the heroes are going to win like that is absolutely going to happen now and so dobby is just like man i'm proud of you and uh I, I thought that was kind of interesting that he he does have this moment of realizing that like shoto is is an enemy like he is worthy of dobby's power if that makes sense Todoroki was specific i don't know that he was talking about all the heroes i think he was saying in a fight between me and you because I have the the ice, like he straight oh, up flexes too. it. Yeah, he does flex it. Yeah. yeah, he he looks at Dobby and he's like, "Your body's overheating, right?" And then he pops some ice, like as if like, "Hey, I bet you wish you could do this, you jackass." You know, like uh, like he he's very yeah, much yeah trying to do the the brain games with uh with Dobby here. We do get um Mirio again versus what I just have labeled as the Pokemon Nomu. I think it's like uh. Meltan or something. There's some legendary thing that has gears around its shoulders, and that's what this uh, Nomu that he's fighting looks like. Uh, and he's being, he's just reflecting on the fact that each one of these is probably as strong as the one that Endeavor and Hawks fought in Kyushu. Um, Ida test drives Bakugo's hero name, the full thing here. I was so proud of our class pres. Uh, and Bakugo concedes. He's just like, I for the first time, I can't say anything back. Like, yeah, he's right. He's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Ida tells like, him, like, dude, you, you can't take any more hits. Like, you, you got to be done. Yeah, and so Bestina says that all the resources that they've had committed to uh, Gigantomachia can now be moved over to the League of Villains, so he uh, starts binding them up even tighter the, with a blackout bind. Um, but during that, uh, Compress is fidgeting, and he's, he's frustrated because the binding is so neat that he can't touch the cables. Because if he could do that, then he could uh, presumably put them in the little, uh, the little marbles. So um, he's, he's kind of reflecting and, and be, uh, his frustration he's saying shiggy weren't we all supposed to gather and then get violent together so why did you have to go and get beaten for so this is basically just a big trap now um but he says none of us has reached our dream yet and then we get the the final line of the episode which is i'll show you all the greatest show on earth and i am curious what that means yeah. and we'll find out when we sit down and record <laughs> that one last episode next week in a week's time yeah. which but you know things crazy about this too is right before this ends and right before compress says that best genus does a move where he like tightens those threads around everybody and it looks like right. spinner's head's about to pop i mean i don't know how any of them are even breathing or alive at this point i don't know i i have no idea how compress is getting them out of this it's gonna be nuts uh so i'm definitely excited to see it well, let's jump into 126. What say ye? Yeah, yeah. The title of 126 is the final performance. Which Did that I felt like any bells for you? Uh, no. Should it have? Yes. Do you well, want to I mean, know outside why? of it? Yes. Explain to me why. <laughs> because uh, there was an arc in Vigilantes uh, called the Final Performance Arc that ran from chapters 66 through 85, uh, and I thought that it was interesting that 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 phrase showed back up again. Oh, that is interesting. What was that arc? I don't remember. Is that that uh, was B-pop. B-pop? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, I don't think there's any correlation there, though, right? I don't think I saw anything from Vigilantes in this episode. No, no, no. Uh, I mean, some characters that were around in Vigilantes, sure, but uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. But no, there's there's no connection outside of if if you read Vigilantes, you could not have missed 
those bells ringing unless you're Adam apparently um when you get to the chapter title now, or the uh, fair, episode title of 126 it's been a long time since I read Vigilante <laughs> so I don't want to hear it <laughs> now fair it would have been really cool if like uh what's his name OG uh OG Himawara I think is his name if, if he had been like in Vigilantes or referenced or something like that that kind of would have been a kind of a cool throwback yeah I'll complain about him later oh um, oh uh, <laughs> spoiler <laughs> alerts um but we do we we are kind of given a little bit more information on compress a little bit. Uh, I think this ties back to something that I said about Toga actually, because what he says is he's reflecting on his connection to the league of villains is that no one in the league asked him about his past uh, because it was just a gathering of crooked self-serving people. So again, there's this place where he's accepted, but not known. And I think that that, um, that was the case for a lot of them. Like they each are just kind of, just barely connected it seems like that the league of villain is held together with like duct tape in some in some ways you know what i mean oh yeah there's a lot of references to that in this episode and and i think this is kind of calling back to what he said to dobby this i think it was last episode as well where he's like oh so you have an interesting background too like that yeah, that, that yeah. little plug was just kind of nice because then we get everything because this episode really the first like 10 minutes is recap it was a little insane uh like even for our standards i thought the recap in this episode was a bit much but mr compress is just really lamenting the whole situation like shigaraki's basically created this massive trap for them and he can't do anything about it like he's so wrapped up he can't use any of his powers and he has this flashback of the league and villains invading this mansion that belongs to the creature rejection clan uh, Uh, or the CRC for short, and these guys are creepy. They all have, like, black uh, robes on with these skull masks, and it sounds like they're basically kind of like uh, the Ku Klux Klan with, with, like, creature quirks, uh, because they are repulsed by people that have the uh, Herrera morphs, I think is what they're called. Heteromorphs. Heteromorphs, thank you, yeah. So so folks like Spinner. Uh, In fact, Spinner approaches them and is talking to them and explaining, like, who these people are. And uh, the League of Villain basically says that they're there just to steal stuff because they're short on cash. <laughs> and, like, the, of course, the the folks there are disgusted by Spinner. Uh, they don't like the League of Villains at all. And Shigaraki just, like, immediately starts dusting them. And is just like, hey, if you stay out of our way, we'll get what we want. We'll get out of here. It'll be quick. Um, and Mr. Compress is, like, messing with some of their stuff. But it turns out they really don't have much. Uh, they don't really seem to be able to steal too much from uh, this this clan at all. This whole scene felt weird. Like, I don't know why they had this happen if there nothing really came out of it other than to potentially introduce this creature rejection clan, which maybe we'll see more of later. But I can't imagine they're going to come up. Yeah. Uh... I they you know they weren't covered in the manga chapters that this episode takes uh, borrows uh, material oh, really? from which would so be this like 294 only? page 9 through 295. I don't think it's anime only. I would I just think that ha- we haven't hit it yet. Like maybe it's coming up and they So maybe it'll be more relevant in the second quarter of the season. Yeah, that that could be or you know maybe it's just a little bit of world building. It feels it feels a little I think that there's more to it than what we saw, but um, I do think that even if there isn't, it's a neat part of the world building. We we'd heard that there was some discrimination against heteromorphs before, but to put it uh, into like an organization that apparently arms themselves exclusively with candelabras, which was like <laughs> either like a weird thematic choice that is just over my head, or they just all were wielding weapons of opportunity for some reason. I don't know. Um, yeah, it almost looked like they were like in the midst of a ritual or something as the group attacked them or invaded. Yeah, yeah. Or they all have to stay costumed while they're living in this like 
frat house effectively. I don't know. It was strange, yeah. but uh, I do like that um, there's a little bit of that world building, like these little core groups that are definitely exclusively nefarious. Um, yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool like to that. see that like there is more going on outside of just the League of Villains and, and the Paranormal Liberation Front. Like There are other bad guys out there. They may just not be as loud yet. Right. But the compress does bemoan the missed opportunity of having kind of hitched their wagon to the coffers of the Shi'ai Hasaikai back when they might have had the opportunity to. There's this funny scene uh, where we see twice, oh, R.I.P., uh, talking with Toga as they're like going over the loot. And uh, there's this funny like duality with his personality again, where he's like, all of this is garbage. And then she's like, I, want, I think I want to put this on. I think he initially calls her like a grandma, but then it's just like, it looks beautiful on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I miss, I just miss his dialogue with himself, um, which is, it, it was just, it's always been so good. It was good to see that again. And then uh, Dobby shows up talking about how he's the only one that's out there recruiting for the League of Villains, to which I think Compress says, well, you're just going around burning people to death. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, this is all back at their HQ, too. They're, like, out in the mountains. This is not at the uh, CRC's clan house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're yeah. Just, I think they're just squatting somewhere. Right, um, right, yeah. And it, it's great, too, because Dobby's just like, well, everyone I've ever talked to is trash. <laughs> like, and, and this is kind of alluding to what you were saying earlier. Like, they are all just sort of doing their own thing, right? Like, they... I don't think Shigaraki was like, go find people that meet this criteria. It's just they're each trying to recruit, and it's up to themselves to determine who they want to bring in. Well, and I think that that is what really gets under Spinner's scales in this yeah. scene. Because then yeah. he starts screaming about, what, what the hell even is our goal? Yeah, he's, he's like, like, what are we doing here? Yeah, and so we get to hear him uh, like outline his goals. He's like, I'm here because I was inspired by Stain, which is something that Dobby, I think, would argue as well. Um, I grew up being looked down on because of my lizard-like appearance, but I saw uh, Stain's final appearance on the news, and he was trying to change the world by himself. That was the first time I felt constrained by the world. And Dobby, even though he would sympathize with the Stain connection, um, he he still spits at Spinner that he's just some empty cosplayer. And Spinner's answer is like, yeah, like I'm completely empty on the inside, and that's why I don't understand why we're doing nothing. I thought that we were going to blow a big hole into the status quo but we don't have an, any idea of what our goal is. Um, and I just have in my notes that he probably should have led with that question, like before becoming a member <laughs> of the league. Like yeah, this is it, like, at this uh, point, you know, he's been a member for a while. Interview. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good point. Well, and it's kind of, it's kind of fun too, because Spinner is, is like shaking Shigaraki and just like, dude, lead us, do something. Like, why are we not doing anything? And, I kind of feel like that's a, a nice, like, I think you would call it a bookend to what's happening right now, where he's still trying to wake Shigaraki up, and he's just yeah. like, dude, do something. <laughs> yeah, there's a visual parallel there, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but kind of back in the moment, Compress is realizing that, like, six months ago, they were all broke. None of them were on the same page. But even now, he still likes being part of the League of Villains. Like, he feels like he's part of something. And so he tells Spinner he's going to buy him some time to get the boss awake. And he taps the side of his leg and just gouges out this huge part of his leg, allowing him to escape those bindings. And then he nabs Spinner and Shigaraki into one of those little beats. Yeah, I just have a couple of notes here. Uh, one, I definitely wouldn't want that bead thrown at me. Like, I would take the debris thrown by Mount Lady, or thrown at uh, Midnight, rather, over like Compress's big, butt bead, basically, yeah, big chunk which of is hamstring. what that is. Yeah. And what's funny is, in the manga, he even, like, I think at some point he even threatens to, oh, it's when um, 
uh, it's coming up like we haven't gotten to this point in the in the anime um, as far as like where we're at in our notes. But when Mirio first makes uh, a movement towards uh, Compress and punches him in the face, um, Compress's response, I'm trying to uh, scroll to this in, in the manga because it's hilarious. He makes a reference to, oh, here it is. At least give me a moment to unleash my disembodied buttocks in your general direction instead of <laughs> whatever it was in, in here where he was like, L- at least let me get my backstory out or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked that little callback there. That's funny. Well, Best Genius is absolutely shocked by this. He, I don't think he was ever expecting uh, Compress to do something like that, but he actually kind of seems to give him a little bit of respect. Like, he can't believe the gall that he had to actually fatally wound himself in order to kind of further this cause. But he tries to end up, like, tightening the fabric that makes up Compress's clothes, but Compress was aware that he would likely do this, so he had placed his hand, like, in a strategic position and just starts getting rid of his clothes, but it's taking away chunks of his body, too. It's it's pretty gruesome here. Uh, yeah, he, I, I just have that he begins the most violent striptease of all time, and I oh, wondered man. if this is what he was referring to when he said that he was about to put on the greatest show of all time. Um <laughs> But he just I needs did, that song in the background. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pour yeah. some sugar on me. I did. Um, I struggled too with the the wiggle room concept. Like if if I've if I've got a rope and I've and I'm I'm actively you know pulling on it from both ends and it's wrapped around your body. If it if it if you were to magically have a portion of your body disappear, that rope would quickly close that gap. So he's either like incredibly fast or these bindings are rigid for some reason and he was able to get out of them i don't know i struggled with the mechanics of that a little i assume it's a limitation of bestiness's quirk because he's focusing on like a bunch of different people trying to keep them restrained and he probably has i don't know i struggled with bestiness's quirk in general in this episode because they're showing him concentrating on keeping like all these strands bound really tightly and it's causing him incredible body harm like he's like bleeding from his eyes and i'm like is he just concentrating so hard he's bleeding from every orifice? What's happening? Like, how does his quirk work? Why is it taking such a toll on his body? I think it, I think it is strain. Um, is, it, is it strain on his body from mm-hmm. concentration? Yeah. I just, because it's not like he's the one, it's, it's not like all those like uh, uh, power lifters where they're like literally lifting thousands of pounds and because of that, their body is straining. It just seems like he's mentally controlling these things so maybe it's i guess that makes sense it's just mental strain but i don't know i I just assumed that it was some sort of weird limitation where because he wasn't quick enough to tighten that rope or those those threads he was was actively tightening them is what i was saying like he was doing whatever he was doing that that big power move yeah uh, blackout bind or whatever so he was already squeezing them and if that's true like whatever the it, it, it is what it is but i was like i feel like in an instant that 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 would have hole just, yeah. would have been eased. That gap that he created would have been almost immediately uh, like covered by that by that rope. But anyway, um, we'll we'll move on. I just wanted to complain about that. Now let <laughs> me uh, start complaining about the uh, uh, the uh, OG Hari- uh, Har- yeah. Harima. So, OG um, Hariyama, yeah, because he he grabs skeptic, and then after he grabs skeptic, he just kind of starts reminiscing about his past. We get we get like info dump here. Right. So he says the only thing that he's good at are running away and tricking people well, with these things. I'm going to go uh, with these tools, running away and tricking people. He's going to get the league out of trouble. And then he starts talking about OG Harima, a peerless thief, a criminal from a long time ago. 
Uh, and he went after the false heroes who used their positions to line their own pockets and distributed the money and items he stole in the streets and wanted social reform. So he's Robin Hood. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. Um, and Atsuhiro, which is the name uh, reveal that we got for Compress a few episodes back by random, like weird, gooey arms man hero. Um, he says, in our family, we expose unfairness and have the blood of justice flowing through us, which I thought was interesting because Dobby weaponized that very similar concept last episode against Endeavor. Um, the, 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 the thought of he had the blood of the just one in his veins. Yeah. Uh, and so now you almost get the other side of that coin um, from Compress, which I thought was neat. Yeah, and we, we kind of flash back over to the, the present, and Dobby and Shoto are throwing, like, jet burns and jet kindlings at each other, and, and Dobby's basically like, hey, look, really sorry, uh, what does he call him, Masterpiece? He's like, really sorry, Masterpiece, the situation has changed. Since Inji is not yet broken, but he's in completely unconscious, there's really no point in the show anymore. And Compress grabs Dobby and is telling uh, Harima, the, like, his, his great-great-grandfather, like, hey, look, that social reform that you wouldn't, that you couldn't accomplish, it can be entrusted to my boss here, Tomura Shigaraki. And he is from the Paralim- uh, ah, and he is from the Paranormal Liberation Front and the League of Villains. And he, he continues to just confess to like everybody, like, hey, I am Oji's great-great-grandson. He says, uh, I am uh, Harima's great-great-grandson. The Bandit King's blood flows through me. What's that you say? You barely noticed me? Well, it's all part of the act. It's all for that ta-da moment, that true trick to save to the end. Voila, the curtain rises on the first and final escape artist performance of Mr. Compress. And like as this is saying this, Mirio is going in for the subdue. Uh, but he does end up throwing a bead to the ground, and it exposes Shigaraki and Spinner. And he's like, all right, it's time. This is a once-in-a-lifetime escape show. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't like the Harima stuff. Really? Yeah, it just felt, I don't know, tacked on. It um, felt, it felt kind of out of nowhere. Like, it could have been set up a little bit more, I feel like, for it to have hit harder. Yeah, I mean, it was just like, Last episode, he was like, oh, you have an interesting lineage, too. And we were wondering if he was talking about his his own or if he was talking about Shiggy's or what. And then well, it's just it's like, like it was with... his and here's what it is. And it's like you could explain it in a sentence. It's just not very deep. It did feel it felt like an add on. I don't know. I, I wasn't a big fan of it. It's kind of like with Dobby's thing. They've been building that up now for, gosh, what, right. three seasons. And, and then the big oh, reveal. All six seasons. I mean, <laughs> we've been. Debating as to whether he was a Todoroki since season one, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but that's only because we had read something online about it, right? Like we hadn't seen Dobby in season one. I think he didn't show up till season two, at least. I don't don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember either. But you know what it felt like to me is like a bad D and D game where someone's written like 30 pages of background and they just sit there and talk about it, and then someone else is like, "Oh yeah, me too," and it just like you don't end up playing. It's just nothing (laughs) but background stories. (laughs) Yeah, and and it borrows so much from something else by the Robin Hood thing, so it didn't feel novel on that front either. Yeah, just like they were borrowing from this. They were like, "Oh, let's just." slap this concept on compress real quick before, I don't know, but possibly before he dies. And I don't know. I, I didn't like it. Uh, maybe some other people like this. I know that a lot of people liked his face reveal, which we get here. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, like, I, I didn't dislike this. I do agree with you, though, that it just kind of felt tacked on. Like, ah, oh, man, this guy's probably going to die. I really like his backstory. Let's get it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe it's because of... Um, maybe it is because of its neighbor with Dobby. Yeah. Cause we, we don't have a ton. We've gotten some of that with Toga more, more with Toga even than we have with, uh, 
Oh, we with know compress. About compress. Yeah. It, yeah. Until, and until today. Yeah, I guess <laughs> until so. This episode. Yeah, like last episode. We even, episode know, we of even this have episode. had some some background reveal from uh, Spinner in the same episode, um, and it still is just. I think that there's more to be explored with Spinner um, because he belongs to a group that is being targeted, if that makes some sense. Sure, yeah. Um, versus compresses, just like, haha, what you guys didn't know was my great-great-grandfather was this guy who you've never heard his name, not even, <laughs> bef- nobody has heard his, him before now, you know? It's just like, whatever, man. Like, well, let's just move on. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that totally makes sense. Uh, well, we, we kind of switch uh, gears back over to Burns, who was fighting off a bunch of more no-moves. Burn in. You keep saying Burn Burns, oh, I keep I? letting it happen. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. dang. Burn I should have stopped you on the first try. but You should have, because all of my notes say Burns now. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I, I assumed that it was an autocorrect thing, and you're just reading. But uh, anyway. Oh, no. It's just, she's cemented in my mind now as Burns. She has been for a while. That's your fault. Well, I blame you now. <laughs> I, well, and I gave you an out to just blame it on autocorrect and That's move fine. on. Yes, but. yes. But, well, we, we switch it back over to Burnin, uh, who was fighting off that same Nomu that almost ate her like a couple episodes ago. And this this random hero comes in named Master Driller that, like, lets himself get eaten and then drills through that Nomu's brain, but then right. the Nomu bites him in half and Burnin is just like, oh my god. Yeah, he has a one uh, a one-to-one KD spread, Master Driller does. Yeah, I love how they just keep coming up with all these, like, random heroes that we've never heard of or seen just for, like, a body count, you know? Yeah, I I mean, it's it's cool when they bring some of them forward a little bit, like even Exless, who has a terrible name, um, just to see... I mean, it's gotta be an incredible work just to come up with aesthetics for as many heroes have been running around in the background and villains, not to, you know, um, but occasionally pull one forward just, just, just so that somebody dies is kind of why they're doing that. Um, You know, we do know that there are some real characters that we've spent a lot of time with who are all in all likelihood dead. Um, But it is, it's just nice to see that the stakes do involve death at a, at a greater rate than like one or two. I right. think that that's fine. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, we, we switch over to see Midoriya, who is like laying there on the ground, and someone is telling Midoriya to wake up. It just keeps saying, like, wake up, wake up ninth. And I'm guessing that it's the original wielder of One for All. Um, and he, he kind of like wakes up, recaps what happened really quickly, and then he immediately is like, oh, God, Todoroki, what's going on with him? And he spots uh, Shoto, and then he has another moment where he seems like he's having that kind of spidey sense uh, happen, where he's like, seeing something happen. And I think you called it like a premonition uh, earlier. Yeah, I wondered if it was a premonition of some kind. Yeah, and now we get revealed that he does remember reading about the fourth user's quirk, and it was called Danger Sense. And he's really not learned a whole lot about it or practiced with it, but he thinks that it's basically going wild like Black Whip does, and it's causing a lot of stress on his body. And I'm pretty sure he ends up like passing back out here. He does, which was, this is a terrible quirk idea. You know there's imminent danger, but you're KO'd immediately after realizing it. (laughs) It's just like, oh shit, I'm in danger. Uh," You just pass out. (laughs) So you're just stuck in that in that danger zone. What a terrible quirk. Well, we switch back over to Compress. He is about to pull off this massive escape when Mirio just absolutely smacks him down. His eyes go white. And uh, he's just like, man, you gave me just enough time to spill about my family. And he kind of recalls the Nomus and remembering that like Shigaraki can control them. And he talks about hiding Dobby and Longhair, who I guess is skeptic, in Spinner's scarf. Um, and he yeah. begs Spinner to do something about this. Uh, and he's just like, hey, like you were the most dedicated to Shigaraki, so... Like, I'm just a support character. I'm just an assistant. The two of you are the main characters, which felt so weird. Like, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't think I've ever thought of Spinner as being the most loyal to Shigaraki or a main character. I I have in my notes that I've never before in my life felt more like a nail than I did when Compress was explaining to us the audience for like the tenth time this season that Shiggy has to be conscious to command the Nomus or Machia. I was like, geez, we freaking get it. Yeah, Why that... would you spend 60 more seconds telling me what we've already heard 10 times just this season? I was so freaking pissed hearing this again. It's like every single character that has learned that information has had to tell the audience. Yes, stop it. <laughs> like, your audience is not dumb, but you are certainly treating them that way sometimes. And it, I mean, I don't know why this, I mean, I just have in my notes, just in all caps, I've never felt like a nail more than I do right now. And this yeah. this narrative truth that we've known for a long time is the hammer that just keeps swinging away at our at our faces. Well, and this was like ugh, it gross. was super unexpected too because when he brought that up, it like showed all of them on the back of Machia going past all those nomus. And my first thought was like, oh dang, I wonder if they swung by and he grabbed a few and he's about to toss those beads out and like, bam, no moo surprise right in Mirio's face. But no, that's not what happened. Uh, no. Which would have been kind of cool. Yeah, but instead Spinner spots one of Shigaraki's hands in his pocket. I think I think I vaguely recall him being able to fetch one uh, at the like the yeah. original like um, the ground zero of the decay earlier. And so um, he remembers that Shigaraki had said at one point that when he puts them on that they make him feel sick, but it also calms him a lot. And so Spinner says, well, I wasn't sure, but when I saw the burned crush thing in his suit, I thought he this might be the thing that snaps him out of it. And so he does. And there's this really cool uh, like film burn visual um, from Shigaraki as he's waking up. Uh, he's thinking like a lump of lead sinks in my soul and anger comes gushing out endlessly and like still shots of his family and, and maybe one other scene like kind of burned from the middle out. Yeah, yeah, really cool. It was really and cool. As soon as his eyes open, the cracks on his body resume again. Um, he starts splitting at the seams, so to speak. Um, Deku's danger sense is going off, which feels like a little late here. It's like, <laughs> like Shigaraki's already awake. Um, so I don't know what th this. I don't know that one. That danger sense felt uh, uh, like it was tardy. But Tomura has some really good friends. All for one to explains, um, and the stronger his heart holds on to his origin. Uh, which is tied to the hands, uh, that the stronger his will will, will become as they coexist, as I coexist with him, is what he says. And so he says, Dear best Tomura, the Nomu again break off towards Shiggy because uh, he sends out like that concussive radio signal. Um, so we get explained again from All for One that that's how he can communicate with them. It's like, thanks again, uh, <laughs> slightly feeling slightly like a nail. Uh, but Best Junus does intercept. Um, they, it's funny, too, that the Nomu just run by a bunch of heroes as well, like Ida gets passed up. Um, but uh, Best Junus does manage to get him. He's in his eyes at this point are like completely bloodshot. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, like a pretty messed up. Yeah. It's, hey, I think it's this is when he says something rough. along the lines of like, we're going to fight until the end. And he's looking around and like literally all the heroes are pretty much KO'd like on the ground. There's no one moving except Mirio, who hasn't been injured, but is for some reason progressively like weakening. It seems like he gets one shot like here in a minute, like he gets he gets touched once and is down. Well, I guess like you can kind of claim that maybe he's not completely back to 100 percent. Like maybe he yeah. hasn't completely reversed everything, but. 
I don't know. My understanding of the way that bullet worked was like, it's a switch. Like you have a quirk and then you don't have a quirk. So I'm not really sure what rewinding does. You know what I mean? Well, and he had said that it had been six months and that um, it didn't feel, well, did he use the word nostalgic? There, there was something where he was like, it just, something doesn't feel quite right yet. Um, huh. But the... The Nomu are trying to uh, affect this withdrawal, which is like immediately pisses off Spinner um, because he's like, Compress is wounded. And what about Machia? And Toga's not here. Are you just saying we're supposed to leave them all? Yeah, because he, he asks like Shigaraki, what are we supposed to do now? And it's not Shigaraki. It's all for one. And all for right. one says withdraw. And this is where Spinner is just like, dude, like you're going to abandon your comrades? And all for one responds with like, hey, it's okay, Yaguchi. And this is when Spinner is just like, oh, crap, who the hell are you? Like, you're not, yeah, you're not like Tomura. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. Yeah. So Alpha One says, Tomura's already lost to one for all and Endeavor because he woke up in the middle of his modification. So he says they injured him faster than he could recover. His body needs rest. And so Spinner presses him again. He's like, are you going to abandon your comrades? And he's just like, yeah, yes, I am. Yeah. I mean, he's very matter of fact. And the way that I thought that he explained it better in the manga um, cause in the show, he says something like, uh, he'll pay for defeat in a sportsman like way. Yeah, I thought that was such an odd line. How do they put it that is. in the manga? Um, he says it's only right that he pays for that loss. Um, so there is a consequence, uh, is what he's saying. He's yes. He's going to eat the cost of this is basically what he's saying. And that cost comes in the form of comrades being left behind. And even though it's not Shigaraki's fault, like. Gosh. Right. And but well, offer one doesn't really care because he says all of this is being done for his sake. He yeah. says for my sake. Yep. This is where we get best genus shouting uh, to not let the league get away. And everyone is converging. Mirio gets one shot here. He makes a rush at uh, Tomorofo. <gasps> Dude, I just coined a really freaking great uh, <laughs> term for that. I pr it's probably not original to me, but um Tomura slash all for one. Tomurafo? Tom, I say it? Tomurafo? Yeah. Tomurafo. <laughs> uh, and he just gets sniped by a rivet stab. And it, I, now this was a smart move because Mirio phases through everything that he can see. So he kind of sends it out to the sides and then uh, catches him from behind, yeah. which is good. And he like stabs him. And I don't like, know why he doesn't like... just immediately steal permeation, like right then and there. Uh, That's a good question. Maybe it's not worth having in comparison to everything else he's got in, in the reservoir. Maybe, but how dirty would that have been? Like, that imagine been dirty. being Mirio. <laughs> Jeez. Well, I mean, does it matter? Getting like, deleted around it, getting your power back, and then having it stolen. Could Eerie, It would have been too comical, really. That's why they didn't do it. Could Eerie have rewinded that, you think? Ooh, I don't know. If it's just absolutely stripped from you, yeah, I don't know. Because we don't really know how the deleter round works. Like, is it just like a beta blocker or something that keeps the, <laughs> right. the quirk from firing, you know? or Or what? Yeah, that's interesting. I thought it was pretty wild, too, how he, like, I don't know, he stabbed Mirio, like, in the hips. And there was a part of me that was like, oh, man, I wonder if Mirio's going to be, like, paralyzed or something. Like, that, the, the way that he stabbed him just looked pretty brutal. Yeah, well, he goes, he goes down. And then the Nomu are running off with Shiggy. Deku's in hot pursuit using Froppy style. And he's dodging things in midair, like, without using Black Whip, which, like, that's not a thing that you can do. But, um, whatever. Let, he says... Uh, Tomorofo says, let us meet again when this body is complete. And he calls, uh, he calls him useless Izuku Midori again. And this is where Midoriya starts to pick up on some stuff too. Cause he tells, he says, shut up all for one. And then he gets blasted away. But then he starts referring to that 
being as Shigaraki again. So he's like, you killed so many, you hurt everyone, there's no way I can forgive you. But back then, when they were in the vestige realm, and you were being swallowed up by All for One, you looked like you were asking to be rescued, which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah. So he's starting yeah. to see a distinction between the two. I don't like it. Like, I feel like, and I think I, maybe one of us have come up with this hypothesis before that like Midoriya is going to end up befriending Shigaraki or like trying to save him and then the two of them will take all for one down and that's what's going to cause him to be the greatest hero but it's like dude this is just Goku or Naruto all over again like let's make best friends with the enemy and the world will be okay (laughs) I just don't like that like I just want to see Shigaraki get killed like I know that's horrible but like I just I want to see Midoriya go in and kick ass and and like not be friends with everybody you know what I mean like I don't think that they're going to be friends but I do see there being narrative room for Deku to be like, I'm going to rescue Shigaraki from All for One. Yeah. I, th- I think that there's room for that. I don't think that they're going to like walk off into the sunset holding hands or anything like that afterwards. I hope not. I don't I don't even really know that I want Shigaraki to be like, quote unquote, rescued. Like the kid's been pretty evil and pretty demented the whole time. I, I know a lot of that is because All for One like pushed him down that path. But right. at any point in time, he could have also just been like, yeah, no, I don't think I'll do this. And and he didn't. So, <laughs> yeah, that gets into the grooming. And I think we've talked about that it does. before. It definitely so. does. But it's just this is just a storyline that's been played out so many times in anime and mangas. It's like, God, I just don't want it to go down that road. But uh, we, we kind of get like a, a wrap of the episode here where it's just showing off like all the fallout of the first half of the season. It, like it's showing both locations. They're just totally destroyed. It shows all these heroes that have been hospitalized and like folks back at headquarters just looking very solemn and like not understanding, you know, like how did this fall apart so badly? Uh, and it's it's kind of strange, too, because they display a bunch of heroes as if they're like knocked out, but then some of them are presumed dead. So I don't know if we're supposed to assume all of the heroes that we saw that were just like lifelessly laying on the ground are actually dead compared to the ones that were clearly hospitalized. Like, I'm not sure what they were shooting for there. I think that, I mean, the biggest difference, if I'm recalling from memory correctly, is that a lot of the ones that we saw in medical care were uh, at the city. They were at the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And then the only other one that wasn't was Hawks, who had been taken to a first aid place out by uh, the villa. The rest of them were just out scattered about in the in the forest as if they hadn't they hadn't been retrieved or reached yet. And I think that I would be shocked if Midnight is still alive. I'm pretty sure she's dead. I, yeah. I mentioned that in the in the discord today. But I think the rest of them. I mean, I have no idea what to think about Lady Midnight's gone. Mount Lady, maybe. She does have, like, the world's largest splinters up her behind right now, regardless. (laughs) There was gratuitous ass in this episode. Every time they show Mount Lady, it's like, oh, man. Like, if I were her, or or caring for her in that state, I would remove the splinters first, because at their current size and placement, if she were to shrink down, they would just rip her. I mean, they're like tree trunks sticking out of her butt right now. That's uh, yeah. So yeah, you're, you're going to need wrong. a crane to remove those splinters before she can shrink down and be operated on. But they, or you're going to have a massive problem. They also showed like uh, fat gum and... Uh, I'm a cheeky. Um, yeah, there were a handful of others that looked like they were just as knocked out as Midnight or Mount Lady were. So that's what I'm saying. Like the way that they transition between all those, I'm like, are you trying to say they're all dead like Midnight? No. Or No, I don't think so. I don't think Midnight, so either. Midnight was given narrative space to die. Um, and even though it hasn't been confirmed, I would be shocked to hear otherwise. I think the rest of them are just 
beaten and gassed and yeah. and possibly knocked out. I mean, certainly in in very bad shape. Will need time to recover just as much as Shigaraki does at this point. Totally. Um, so I, I did think too, and and Mark and I were chatting about this on on Twitter yesterday that. Uh, you know, I don't really pay attention to the music, but um, he had mentioned that it was ironic or possibly even a, a little cruel or interesting that they played the song called Might Plus You over these scenes. Uh, and so I went and looked up the lyrics and part of the lyrics, I think these are the lyrics that are actually played during the the end of this episode is, if we'll be united, we're stronger together, which rings back to some of the stuff Best Genius was saying. We'll always have the high hope, not all for one, but one for all. Um, and it's very sad sounding as they all, all these strands that had bound together to uh, in uh, what was supposed to be superior strength and numbers are now lying scattered as individual threads all over this, all over the place on these two areas. Um, so that was, that was the end of the first core. Man, what an end to like, so much happened. These were some crazy episodes. I, I easily would say, hands down, probably my favorite season so far. Like so much is so much has happened, and it was all really well done. I'm curious uh, what you think here, and then I will I will tell you my opinion. Do you think that this was a a draw, or do you think that the heroes lost? Um, or do you think that the the villains lost? I'm curious. I think that. The the hero or the the villains are the ones who had to beat a tactical retreat. I think that the heroes were willing to absolutely die in mass if it meant that Shigaraki was stopped here. Uh, so I think that th- now both both sides needed rest and and recovery. But I think if push really came to shove, if those Nomu didn't come and and whisk Shigaraki out of there, that the heroes would have finished that would have finished the job. Yeah, that's a good point. Those Nomu's did kind of come in clutch at the last second. I still think I'm kind of of the opinion the heroes lost this one. Like their losses outweighed the losses of the villains because ultimately the villains didn't need everybody from their perspective. They just need Shigaraki. And and even then they've kind of lost Shigaraki. It's all for one again. You know, like this whole coexist with Shigaraki thing is. It's a lot like what I was saying, you know, a couple episodes back. Like, he's taking over Shigaraki's body, so he just has a fresh, brand-new body with, with amped-up powers. Like, it's going to be nuts, and I don't know how the, the heroes are going to stop him. At least not, not easily, and they've already lost so much. I mean, and publicly, too. Like, that's the other thing, is, like, just from a, a public support, you know, they, they decimated an entire city, basically. How many civilians died, you know? Oh, I mean, hundreds, if not thousands, for yeah. sure. And that's not that's not counting any heroes that might have died. I would say, too, um, with with Shigaraki and with Midoriya, you're still so that there's still a lot of we don't we're not, we don't talk about the development of Midoriya a, a lot. We see it, but the, the terminology is different. So for Shigaraki, it's he's still incubating. Um, you know, he needs time for his, you know, body to acclimate or whatever the terms that they've used for Midoriya. He's still, even in the midst of combat, tapping into untapped as of whatever time potential for one for all. Uh, and so they, they both have, they still, neither one of them has reached their ceiling because of that. Uh, that's why the story can't end. Um, but it did feel like, like I said, from outsider looking in at this stuff, you'd be like, this is it. This is the end. This is the big, every hero is involved. What else could you possibly do? And the answer is the main protagonist and the main antagonist 
have not reached ceilings yet. There's still explicit levels that they haven't reached that they're both supposedly capable of obtaining. Um, so, you know, we've we've definitely got that to look forward to. So, yeah, Shigaraki's going to f- incubate further whatever reaches greater potential, but Midori is also afforded the exact same amount of time until their next confrontation to tap into more of the users um, and their abilities and learn how best to wield them. And uh, I think that that'll make for one heck of an ending. Yeah. That, that will even be more bombastic, more almost chaotic with the trying to keep up with uh, quirks in, in this battle. Like who's who's wielding what at what time will be interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I assume by the next time they meet, they both will likely have access to all of their quirks or at least most of them. So, yeah, I'm I'm interested in seeing how the second core picks up because I would guess that they're going to have to do a lot of like exposition and hey, here's who yeah. who was arrested, here's who's in the hospital, here's where we're at. This is like, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if we have a time jump to just kind of get past a lot of the healing, you know? Uh that way because so much of that's got to be off screen, I would think. Uh, but maybe it's not. I'm I'm interested in seeing what they do with the second half. I wouldn't be shocked if we don't get some conversations during the healing process. Um, almost like a debriefing amongst uh, the 1A students uh, at minimum, you know, as they're lying around in a hospital bed. Uh, there's got to be some sort of debrief uh, from Sue Couchy, uh, you know, who was running tip of the spear basically on on a lot of this stuff. So, yeah, exposition is absolutely in our immediate future. For and sure. then we'll have to see where it goes from there. I, I know a little bit about somebody that I'm hoping to see this season, and I think it's been confirmed that we will get to see them. Um, something that I had spoiled for me on Twitter a while back that I've been anxiously awaiting, I think is going to happen in the second core. So I know a tiny bit about somebody that's coming onto the scene that we don't, we've never heard of or seen yet um, and that I'm excited about. So I'm excited to see it actually and understand what in the world is going on and then talk to you about it. Yeah, I'm excited for that as well. I got to say, I'm officially caught up on all my spoilers. Everything that's been spoiled for me, I'm done with, except for maybe one potential thing, but it has technically come out uh, in this first core. It just wasn't obvious, so we didn't discuss it. Um, but I'm not going to, say any more about that if you're in the discord you can tag me and i'll tell you what it is <laughs> yeah um, for me i i have two characters left okay okay uh, one that i think we'll get to this season the other one i have no idea i think it's a much later uh person that comes on the scene i think i briefly flirted that knowledge with uh mark when we were covering team up missions after after you had mentioned something uh specific about um heroes from other countries mm-hmm. yeah um that i was aware that at least one was gonna show up at some point so that's the only other character that i know is coming and ju- and ju- it was just like an image i have no idea about powers or reasons for why they exist or anything, or anything like, that. like that yeah i'm really shocked uh that none of the students in 1a or 1b died like that was something you had talked about i think pretty heavily over the past handful of episodes and like hey you know, they could get away if they could, who would it be kind of deal. And I'm I'm shocked that no one did in these this first core. Like it would have been the perfect time to do it, I think. Yeah, I um I I'm I'm a big proponent of there needs to be real risk for all involved, especially on a conflict of this scale. Uh I'm not it's not like I'm disappointed nobody from class one oh, A or one B no. died. No, 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 no. But uh I'm not shocked that nobody from class one A or class one B died. I'm I am although I will say, while I'm not pleased by the actual presumed death of Mount Lady, I am pleased by the fact of it, if that makes sense. Sure. 
Yeah, like there were consequences. That somebody died. Somebody had to die in this for it to make any sense to me as far as stakes are concerned whatsoever. Like, you can't just have a bunch of bruises when every freaking pro hero is involved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody well, has got to die. <laughs> and, like, Gran Torino's pretty jacked up. Aizawa's pretty messed up. I'd be interested in seeing, you know, do you think he keeps his one eye? Oh, yeah, I think that uh, Aizawa's, that, the eye that uh, Shigaraki gouged out is gone. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know how, didn't he already have a scar over his eye? Uh, I feel like he did, or am I not remembering that aesthetic correctly? I don't remember. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and he's he, lost a leg, too, so... Yeah, well, you know, prosthetic limbs are totally a thing. Compress was rocking. Well, yeah, that's totally functional. That's so true. Even though uh, he was complaining about it in this episode. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe even Aizawa will go to Gearin to get one. I doubt it. I doubt it too. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he'll just go to May, Bay May. So, Bayzawa and Bay May hanging out, working on a prosthetic leg. That's an (laughs) image I can get behind. Well, man, I I really enjoyed this first core. I know you did, too. Uh, I'm excited for the next one, but why don't you tell the listeners what they have to look forward to over the next couple of weeks? Well, so this will come out hopefully tomorrow as of the time of this recording. I'll get it edited to the first two episodes that we covered. Um, So that'll be a Wednesday. Then uh, in two weeks' time, we should have episode one redone, remastered. Uh, One might say episode one version two. Uh, we'll be coming out in the two weeks to follow that. And then we'll be back onto our bi-weekly schedule once we get two episodes in the second core in the can, which I think it starts back on the 7th. So you're talking about the 7th, the 14th. So us not getting another proper uh, episode out until the 16th of January. So I think that's right. You got a little while before the, the next official episode drops, but I'm, I'm excited to redo episode one. Uh, so you'll have a little something maybe to go back and listen to if you want to feel a little nostalgic. Yeah, that'll be fun. We'll let everybody know that it's there and uh, fans of the show probably will give it a listen because for some reason they enjoy listening to our voices. So. <sighs> I'm glad they do. I'm glad they do. Well, otherwise, Me too. happy new year, everybody. By the time you're listening to this, it's likely uh, coming right around the corner. So we hope you have a great one and maybe you've got uh, some some good uh, goals for this next year. And uh, we'd love to hear them. If you want to throw those in the discord, we're always there. And well, I say always. Atkins is always there. I'm I'm there occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that should be your New Year's resolution. Your New Year's resolution will be more active in the Discord, and mine will be to finally bring the AMP to its definitive end. Uh, uh, ooh, jeez, <laughs> I don't know about that. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always teasing that we're on our last episode. I know. Who knows? Maybe it'll happen in 2023. Jeez, uh, I don't know why Probably. either. I'm convinced he doesn't like me at this point. No, it's not you. Is it you? It's it's Ness. <laughs> oh, it's Ness. Okay, that's a good, good person <laughs> to blame, I guess. <laughs> All right. All right, y'all have a happy new year. We'll we'll you'll be hearing from us in one form or fashion in the next two to three weeks. We'll see you later. See you guys. And uh, I don't know. It kind of I think it leaves Bakugo a little stunned, but we immediately transition back over to Shigaraki. Uh, and he's looking down. So, what is that? What am I saying here? Shigaraki looks down. I don't know, but don't we, we should be picking back up with Dobby and Shoto. Yeah. Okay. That's I, that's where we'll leave off. Just cut some of that out, and you, I'll let you pick up. Sorry, I will because this is already <laughs> going to be a long episode. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Are you going to pick up with it, or am I? I thought you were picking up. Oh, I was just correcting where you were picking up. Now this is going at the end of the episode. I don't care how long it is. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) I'll pick back up.